did. Check this out. Mystic Force has been inspiring me to learn some spells, and I think I figured out how to make Coda fly. Cool! Yeah! Gauntlet, Kipto, Volante! You'll never catch me- Oh, hey. Hey, everyone. Oh, Kip, we haven't seen you since the Christmas party. How have you been? Pretty good. Uh, thanks to you, I just got away with this big bag of oats. You want some? Heck yeah. Hey, uh, since you're here, uh, you want to join us for our Mystic Force episode, Kip? Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, can we make some oats while we do it? Sure. Hi, I'm a tasteful parody of the song Stacy's Mom by Fountains of Wayne, specifically written about Necroli, Ashley. And I'm Daggeron's Faceless Grinder Bio Sid. And I'm Trobbin' These Nuts. Kip. And this is Ranger's Plane, where Sid, lifelong Power Rangers fan, takes me, Ashley, Power Rangers newbie, through the world of Power Rangers. This month's podcast, we have a special guest. We have the host from Common Ride with me and also a podcast within the podcast known as In the Name of the Moon, I'll Podcast You, Kip. Hey everyone, it's been since Christmas. It's fun to be back. Yeah, we're glad to have you back, Kip. Good to be here. Um, so this is typically where we ask everybody kind of like who comes on this podcast that's not us, uh, sort of about like, hey, so what's your relationship with Power Rangers? Is it, is it complicated? Is it, they, have you been together since you were a kid? And it's such a weird way to phrase it, but I've already leaned into it. <laughs> yeah, me and, like me and the Dragon Sword have been tight for like a long time, like just like always there, always been some kind of fan of like power rangers um i definitely remember being very young and like watching like power rangers like zeo on like plane rides or like car trips that kind of stuff so a guy like i'm like your prototypical like there when it got made like love the show but um years ago i i kind of like fell off and then found like the like wider world of toku which i still watch which is why like um in my show, it's called, like, Come and Ride With Me, which is, like, a lot of stuff. Like, uh, right now, we're looking at, like, Come Rider, like, um, mostly, but, like, lots of, like, smaller stuff, like, too. And, like, it's a lot of fun. Um, and also, it's, like, cool to get back to Power Rangers for the first time in a while. It's been a hot minute. Nice. And, like, specifically, because uh, we know we wanted to have you here when we talked about Mystic Force, so... Um, so what's with, like, so what's with you and Mystic Force is, like, what does the series kind of mean to you in that regard? So I hadn't been watching, like, I probably, um, I remember, like, distinctly not having watched despite knowing that Tommy was there for Dino Thunder, that kind of stuff. So, like, this is, like, right in the middle of, like, maybe, like, me starting to find other toku like i think like finding like video clips of comrider blade on youtube back when that was very new and like i think um i the first sentai series like that i watched like probably while comrider like kabuto was airing was magi ranger the show that mystic force is based off of so like for me it was like oh 
let's see like what I miss, but also like what this became, you know? Well, you know, since we have an idea about you and Magic Ranger and Mystic Force, let's talk about Mystic Force. Yeah. Many years ago, in the Mystic Dimension at the edge of Briarwood, the Mystic Wizards and their allies fell, closing the gate to the Underworld, defeating the Master and saving the human world in the process. Years passed, though, and the forces of darkness begin to rise again. Udana, sorceress and white Mystic Ranger, recruits five young adults from the town to become the Mystic Force Power Rangers and save the world! Along the way, they make new allies, learn new spells, and grapple with the ways in which the past keeps coming back. This is Kalish's second season and as a producer, and uh, I'm going to say it kind of uh, it felt way more like smooth in terms of uh, how it was ended, as opposed to SPD, which had uh, like a lot of hiccups. And, you know, overall, like the SPD story was, was pretty okay. This one just felt like a much smoother ride. Oh, for sure. Um... Adele's definitely had some wrinkles within the how it was presented, especially with, like, the forest community was never really elaborated on. Like, most of it kind of just took place in the human world and some characters we met that weren't humans. But, like, we didn't really get a whole idea of what it was like beyond the last couple of episodes. Yeah, it was, they kind of, like, kept that kind of at bay. I, I don't know, because of set design or something. But, yeah, it was supposedly, like... Didn't, like, okay, well, what what is the difference between a troll and a goblin, you know? There are elves here, but what type of elves and halfling there? Right. But yeah, overall's like, and I also found that the, uh, the characters are often a little kind of, uh, they, they sometimes weren't as interesting as they should have been. Right. But overall, yeah, it was, it was pretty, definitely like a more smoother sailing of story. Uh, and one of the things that really drove this home is, uh, a lot of people like to point out that the story revolves around Nick, and it, it does, particularly at the very end, but unlike SPD with, like, Sky literally being the story, and the, the entire season really is just about this man and how he should be a better person so he can be Red Ranger, it was just more of like, oh, hey, you're a long-forgotten prince of some sort, and... We're only going to really dive into this at the very end. Even then, like, it did feel like they still had a focus on, like, the unit of Power Rangers, like, doing things. Like, he got his big moments, but then also the group was, like, the end to those battles and, like, those moments, too. Right. Yeah, right. It really, it felt more like Nick wasn't, it wasn't very glaring that Nick was kind of the center of attention or for a little bit. Yeah. It, it was uh, unlike when you watch a speedy with Sky, where you're just like, wow, this kind of affects everything. It's like, if they were allowed a little bit more character work, even with Nick, it would just be like, I could feel like Chip, Xander, V, and Madison would be their own characters. They didn't need to revolve around Nick to be. Kind of like with Nick, because especially because he has the big reveal of being like, you know, the light and the, you know, child of Udana and um, Leonbo, they kind of set that up in a kind of like a long form way in terms of like, there are hints about it, like sprinkled throughout the series. And then like, there's the reveal, I think in like episode 20 or so. Um, It does a really good job, like kind of introducing, you know, these elements of storytelling in a children's show, you know, instead of just making it like, It doesn't come out of nowhere, and it's not, like, they're also not making it, like, super obvious from the beginning. 
Um, I mean, obviously for us, like, you know, we're used to it. It's kind of obvious that they're hinting at, you know, there's something big with Nick and Udana. And especially, like, the fact that, like, Udana is the one who introduces that whole plot point. But, yeah, it feels like they did definitely introduce this in a way that children can understand and feel engaged with the art without feeling talked down to. And, like, I'm sure there was some kid out there watching this that was just, like, they felt really proud of themselves when they realized that Nick was Bowen. Yeah. And this is something that came to me because I've been watching a lot of folding ideas on YouTube. Mm -hmm. And he talked about uh, setting up stuff. Like, the rule of three was setting up. All of a sudden I realized, like, they they followed that rule of three. They did it better than some of adult movies, too. Is like, you had kind of at the very, I think... Second episode, Nick shows, like, basically shows off the blanket he has. Like, they focus on that. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, they bring it back a cut, like, basically second arc of the show. They call back to it. And all of a sudden, you're like, oh, my God, it's that blanket, you know? Right. And to that, like, I felt like this show definitely didn't try to be too complicated. And, like, we don't need a big twist sometimes. Like, sometimes, like, the blanket is the blanket. And, like the things that we make in our head like mix and match work and like for me um it was interesting to watch a power ranger show because like when this came out i probably would have been too preoccupied with um it's so mercenary it's using pieces it's not original but like now as like a person who's done work and seen budgets and seen like the constraints people have like i'm much more liable to like appreciate it for like how it's using it's like constraints and like it like tells like a very complete story like despite having like very little like new footage too you know yeah oh for sure especially i noticed this probably like towards the end especially when we got more into the you know the Leanbo and bowen stuff is that it's got a very similar vibe to wild force but it's more streamlined and kind of less depressing with like the way <laughs> that it will just have those extreme tonal shifts um yeah wild force was guilty of that yeah because wild force you'd one second you'd have like a really goofy plot line about like brides that were being turned into mannequins and then like the next one you'd find out like more stuff about cole's like backstory and how depressing it was and how his parents died i i think my favorite the episode where you find out cole's parents are dead Mm -hmm. like for sure uh, is actually like an, an amnesia episode where he goes works on a farm and it's pretty whimsical and they're just like the wild forest rangers are debating whether or not to tell him this <laughs> yeah it's just like hey power rangers what the fuck also we mentioned the reversals because it's like udana at the very beginning like bits and, and pieces kind of come out about udana and how like and we'll get into it later and kind of like how like she's lost everything in her life mm-hmm. essentially but her niece Claire and then when finding out like certain things like um forget which which got revealed first was Korag was her husband Leonbo or like the fact that like I think Claire took Nick's blanket to to wrap around um the dragon heart and like Udana was like oh my god where'd you get this blanket yeah, no, it was that she specifically put the blanket over Udana because she had lost her powers. And, like, yeah. yeah, she had lost her powers and they were talking about believing in magic and all that. And, like, you know, she puts the blanket over, like, Claire puts the blanket over her and she's like, where did you get this blanket? She's like, I found it in Nick's backpack. I don't, I didn't think he would mind if we used it. 
And because I think she, because at first, the Lanbo thing really first comes up. It's like hinted at a little bit here and there, like before it. But the Lanbo thing first comes up when uh, Daggeron comes back and she's just like, she asks him specifically if Lian, like about Lanbo and Bowen. Yeah. So and that's when you kind of see the scene later with all of them in the courtyard and holding like Nick in the blanket. Right. And I like too how it didn't feel like there were people not telling each other things necessarily. It was much more just like, oh, why would this have come up without the right prodding? Like, I like how a lot of it did like seem a little like naturalistic to, to like what was going on rather than like, oh, oh, like I can't tell them about this, you know? Yeah, like, oh, the only yeah, time no. there's ever really something like that is that, like, Phineas feels guilt about the <laughs> whole put, you know, taking Bo into the human world thing, but, like, again, we don't know about that guilt until, like, it specifically comes up. I think it was, like, the episode with Kalendor and with and with everything and Daggeron coming back. It's right at the end of it, Phineas mentions what happened, and that's when Adana gets kind of that hope again that, oh, maybe my husband and kid are alive. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, like Kip brings up a good point. It just felt very naturalistic and it's not it's not a mystery. It's a low-hanging mystery in terms of like, yeah, what's hinted at throughout the series, but like, you know, it's not the thing that is overtaking the plot in terms of like, you know, yeah. Nick's not bringing up every episode about like, oh, I I'm I'm looking for my missing birth parents and like, yeah. you know, explaining his whole tragic backstory. Uh, it's just like Nick also kind of doesn't like. He's like, well, I I was adopted, and he he just kind of is what he is, kind of with it. It's like I'm adopted, you know. I had adopted parents. I'm visiting my sister currently, so you know he had he had a life outside of kind of like, oh man, what what if I never knew my parents? Right. At least for me, like, there's definitely a point in in people's lives where they're like, oh, I'm not like hiding trauma. I just don't want to take the breath from, like, a womb, a, a, like, whole, like, room, or, like, maybe talk about it when it's not the right time. Like, it just felt like, oh, this is something that happened, but I'm not, like, going to, I'm not in a place where I need to let everybody know the worst thing that ever happened to me. Like, I've, like, sat with it and, like, healed enough, you know, which is right. nice. Yeah, because, yeah, Udana doesn't really, like, she only brings it up when it, it's like she only needs she only brings up the fighting detail like to not let them know where their powers came from and stuff. But she really doesn't go into what happened during that battle uh, until she really needs to. And it's not like everyone's like, why didn't you tell us, Udana? How dare you? It's almost like they understand that, that this was that was a very painful time in her life. Yeah. All right. Um. And Kip, you said you wanted to kind of bring up a little comparison to Magi Ranger since you're definitely more familiar th- with that than we are. Yeah. Uh so Magi Ranger was the first Sentai that I watched like all the way through. Um the th- like third or fourth um Japanese like Toku series. Um it's a very interesting and like good show. Like I don't think like um it the case sometimes I think with Sentai and like Power Rangers is you get like some weird like drama like this is more real or whatever they're different shows um and like i think there's something to enjoy from both of them and i think like uh it's not like better than mystic force but it does have a couple really cool things about it that i think uh might engage people if they like mystic force just like like some plot ideas um Mm -hmm. 
the biggest one is that um, when uh, they're all siblings, so like the show starts, they're just like five siblings, age like twenty four to like sixteen, and like they're living together with their mother, who is a white uh, like ranger, and like um, she dies in the second episode, and they have no mentor, like oh. th- yeah, and like. Th- it's only in the second arc when there's like new kinds of monsters, even where the monsters can talk. So basically like they're completely alone. Like they have like a, um, a like cute mandrake friend who like has a book of like monsters. But besides that, like they have no mentorship or like understanding of what they're doing for the first 20 episodes. Um, and that's a very big difference to how the show is. And like, it like leans very hard on like being five siblings and like, um, their struggle with this like fight in this world um and that's like where the relationship with um like the korag character like wolzard um Mm. is very interesting because he is kind of mentoring them okay in like his own way of like constantly kicking their asses but like having some honor being like your magic is bullshit like fight harder (laughs) that kind of stuff um and it does kind of make um Magi Shine, the um the character that they uh get like Daggeron from, like a little bigger of a character because he's their mentor when he shows up, but they've already defeated the first sets of like generals. Like they've already been in this fight and they've already like gotten some level of like competence and like teamwork. Mm-hmm. So like it's like very cool that like they do spend a long time like with this mentor after having no one and like also this mentor does like get in a relationship with like Matchy Blue because like when he shows up, he's like a twenty-five-year-old like ska trained like engineer, so super hot, you know? Right. But, uh, <laughs> and that and, I guess that yeah. kind of explains like we'll talk about it with a little bit with Madison, but it definitely felt like There's they gave moments. Maddie kind of this like weird crush on Daggeron that they never really like elaborated on. And that might explain that might explain that. I think it, it also yeah. kind of explains why, like in that one episode, like Udana's like s- like is able to like channel the spirit of like being the white like Mystic Ranger, but like it it does not get her powers back immediately. Yeah. Um, okay. I mean, so it's, it's always interesting to kind of hear like what happened. Like a- as a podcast, we're like we're not really prioritizing getting yeah. to the Sentai. At, you know any point in the future we're kind of just focusing on like power rangers and american tokusatsu but like it's always interesting to hear like kind of how they like will backwards engineer like what's going on in you know the sentai to kind of get the plot going in in power rangers for better and for worse um i think the family dynamic um is the real charm there though because they're like are learning magic based off of like missing their mother and stuff and they're like on their own for so much of it and like even like later on too like a lot of their fights like with the like 10 terror characters they're like two episode fights like they're drag out fights they're like destroying like the like city like they're like it's it's like a a different kind of journey because they're already a team when they start from being siblings that makes sense well um you know we've talked a lot of here about um you know, about Magi Ranger and Mystic Force. So kind of let's get into our characters. Uh, so I want to start, well, we're going to start with Xander Bly, the green Mystic Ranger. And uh, he's kind of this season's, like, fuck boy. <laughs> he kind of, he, he, okay, so 
I was just having the worst memory about the fuckboys of previous seasons. Yeah. So I'd be like, okay, there is a fuckboy, but he gets better. Spoiler alert, he did not get better, particularly Sky. Yeah. Uh, so I was worried. I'm like, am I misrepre- like, uh, like misremembering Xander? And he, he actually gets called out on his fuckboy behavior and gets a little better. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we're, we're not going to throw him in the total dumpster. Yeah, no, like, yeah, Xander, like, he does kind of start off being very arrogant, but I think he gets humbled over the course of the series, either by, like, getting embarrassed or, like, learning to have empathy for others. Yeah. So, so. yeah, he just misses getting thrown in the dumpster, but, you know, good for him. Like, he finally got growth from, like, a little, uh, from one of these little asshole characters. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he's he's not going to the dumpster with Connor and Skye. You know, at least Connor, like, starts soccer camps for children in his future. <laughs> yeah. So it's not like, you know, he's not a total dumpster boy. Sky just continues being a cop. Yeah, it's just, just and, and a very butthole one at that. Yeah. So fuck him. I was gonna say, it's like one of the things he does uh, was playing Xander. Yeah, I was about to say, because that that's like kind of an early characteristic that they have for Xander for probably like the first 10 or so episodes and then occasionally it pops back up where Xander will just try to reason with the monster and just be like, you know, go in and have a plan versus like, you know, actually, you know, fighting. And so he tries to basically like skeptic logic his way out of it and it doesn't, it never works. A like trademark of like um most Toku, like n- no matter where it's from, is that like you tend to have like a very young cast. Like it's like some of their first roles. And I think um he was definitely an early MVP of like he kind of got his character early on when a lot of people were still like figuring out or like the scripts were still figuring out. So like I think he does kind of have a good like starting character and like compared to like Nick, for example, felt to me like he had some trouble starting out on like how to be Nick. Yeah, I'll say Xander is probably like in cross the series, he is one of the most consistent characters and probably has the most consistent growth. Because like, yeah, he does kind of have that like, as we said, fuckboy energy. And we also notice he has big assistant to the manager vibes because he keeps talking about how he wants to like be the manager at the Rockporium and will act as the manager. And it's not endearing. <laughs> no, it's uh, he, he's like. Oh, Xander. He gets- I I, I actually kind of like him, but it's because it's like, he is a slightly better fuckboy, you know? Slightly better trash boy. Not quite as, like, full of angst as Eric was, but yeah, he's a good trash boy. Yeah, and like like I said, he does manage to get empathy by the end of the series, because like, you know, like towards the end, I, I forget what episode it was, but he basically gives Nick that whole talking to of just like, you know- Initially, he's like, yeah, I understand what you're going through. And Nick tries to do the whole, like, no, you don't understand, blah, blah, blah. And then, like, you know, he's like, no, like, it gives him that whole talk about, like, you know, when I came here, like, to America, I didn't have any friends. I was the kid with the weird accent. And I was lonely. I understand loneliness. And, like, but also, you know, emphasizes the fact that, like, he made friends and he gained a family. So he was, like, he kind of, like in this weird roundabout way kind of gave Nick a pep talk where, but also told him to kind of just like get over yourself and like, um, well, rather I'm going to quote, uh, coach beard here from Ted Lasso, grow up and get over it. (laughs) 
<laughs> See, it looks like also here you noted that he has white boy vibes and takes credit for others' hard work. Which, yeah, again, ties- yeah, he- yeah. it kind of ties into the uh, manager thing. But remember, like, that particularly came... Comes a couple of times with them with them at the Rock Emporium, but definitely the time when they were all painting and like Xander was sick, uh, you know, and um and then when Toby comes by later to like look at it and he's praising it, Xander was quick to take all the credit. Yeah. It's like, yeah, definitely he like that's his main like character motivation is become Mr. Manager. Yep. And that time they were all playing with gasoline and then one of them like Lit like a cigarette. That was really traumatic. <laughs> That's Zoolander, Kip. <laughs> oh, okay. But I, I feel like Xander would fit in Zoolander, but he's a little too smart, so maybe he's a hand model. <laughs> so, like, yeah, he's the like David, David Duchovny character. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was about to point out, like, they all have, like, a, a like, a. At the beginning, they did the elemental powers, and then they kind of dropped, and his, his was kind of like plant life and tree powers, which. Actually comes into one of his humbling episodes where, like, Claire, like, he mistakes Claire, like, Claire making a perfection potion and just, like, something she used on a plant that he just decided to use on this, like, giant zit. Yeah, like, basically then, it was a cyst on his freaking nose. And <laughs> so he goes and sprays it, and then when he comes back later, he finds out that all, you know, the plants have died again, and then he starts becoming wood. He starts getting petrified. Yeah, it's it's kind of horrific in a way, because, like, he's basically, he's slowly turning into a tree. Very good effect. Without Don Cheadle's help. <laughs> you got it. You understand. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and it's just, like, because, like, basically the whole, like lesson of the episode is that you can't always take the easy way out i guess yeah and he's like and eventually they break the spell but almost at like a too late point where he figures it out yeah and everything like i think uh v comes to like deal with it and he's been talking to phineas this entire time so it was kind of interesting yeah so i well no because it's like i was trying to remember the whole like because there is another, you know, don't take the easy way out episode where the plot line wasn't as good, like, wasn't as co- coherent. But I think it had to do with them getting the Fireheart uh, egg. No, like, was the, it getting the... the map to it or something Was like it that. the Genji one? No, it was the Genji one. Yeah, the Genji one where, like, they locked, oh. like, they kept replying on Genji and then he got kidnapped by the, mo- uh, by the villains. Oh, that's right. New Donna was like, you can get pizza yourself. Oh, right. <laughs> There's that one, too. That was a weird uh, episode. Yeah, I was thinking about the one where Xander, like, basically gets his comeuppance for always trying to be the leader, even though he has no idea what he's doing. Yeah, so... white boy energy. Yeah, so, and, like, so it's him, it, it takes him turning into a tree and almost, like, you know, losing his humanity for him to be, like, I should be less of, like, acting like I, I'm a leader here. I need to, like, defer to others and stop oh, being so... No, it was it was, it was was more of, like, I shouldn't just do stuff for vanity or whatever. The other one was where he, like, they were doing, like, they were going on a, a quest to get a map or something. Mm-hmm. And then he's trying to be the leader and, like, I know the actual way, Phineas. And he was upsurring, basically, Phineas's advice, even though Phineas knew a lot about the forest. And he essentially gets him... Madison and Chip, like, almost eaten by a giant spider. Oh, yeah, that I think that was the Fireheart episode. Yeah. Okay. Whereas the, the, yeah. Yeah, a lot of Xander's early plots are just him being humbled in various ways. 
<laughs> Very dramatic ways, too. Like, you almost died there, buddy. That's <laughs> like, but did you learn your lesson? It's like, yes. Um, I guess that's really all he had to say about Xander in terms of, like, character development. Uh, so our kind of our next character is going to be Charlie Thorne, a.k.a. Chip, who is our yellow mystic ranger. And uh, he is your hyper nerd child who is way into D&D and is very excited about becoming a wizard. Yeah, he was he was way too excited. Eventually, it just brought me talking just briefly. And I wanted to talk about about how he he definitely seems like because they, they seem about like college age. So he definitely seems like he 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 has tried Four Locos before. Oh yeah, like the alcoholic version of Four Locos. <laughs> it was a bad D and D night when he did. Oh God, yeah, like <laughs> yeah, Chip is sort of your stereotypical like excitable nerd, but that also makes him weirdly endearing. But yeah, definitely yeah. don't yeah. have caffeine, D- caffeine and alcohol at the same time, especially. Oh God. I definitely thought at the start that he would be like a like forgot a like forgotten character like as far as like getting relevant things to do and like be further like characterized. I was like pleasantly surprised that like throughout they kind of like built him as like a a like real member of like the team, you know? Yeah, yeah. and like I he's sometimes a little bit of the moral center of the team as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where, like, I would say Maddie kind of gets to be more of, like, the emotional heart just because she is somebody who's very, like, you know, very shy, but also very, like, understands herself and, like, will call people out when they need to be called out. But, like, Chip is very much, like, kind of your moral center and, like, you know, because, you know, he's very much into, like, he gets really into training to be a knight. So I think he's really into the whole, like, doing the right thing and doing the chivalrous thing. Yeah. And so he's a very fun character that way. Yeah. Um. Uh, you pointed out that he, like, I didn't catch this, but you did, that he possibly joined a vampire hunting MLM. Right, because when we, the, the episode where V gets turned into a vampire, well, the set of episodes where V gets turned into a vampire, like, one, he's the first one to really realize that she's become a vampire, and nobody else believes him because they think that, like, okay, in a world where they are literally Power Rangers and they're fighting against, like, these monsters every week, and they know literal, a- like, troblins and elves and all of this. They don't but think vampires. vampires are real. Yeah, until Adonis like, oh, vampires are very real. Yeah, it's like, why does it take the literal sorceress you know to tell you that in order for you to believe it? <laughs> oh, it was just very funny to me that, like, Chip's the only one who, like, really believes in vampires. And then he finds out that, like, he's in, like, this vampire hunting, like, club. And... <laughs> A great crucifix. Yeah, oh god. So, like, well, first of all, yeah, it's that they can't, I guess they couldn't use crucifixes because that's too religious. So literally, like, every time he has to hold V off so that she doesn't, like, drink his blood, it's literally just a garlic bulb on a stick. It's- <laughs> and he uses it exactly the way um, he uses a crucifix. Gullop- just, like, yeah. just holds it up to her and she's like... <sighs> I was going to say my favorite bit of that was just, like, the garlic bulb would wear out, so he was like, it's going to be a free bulb <laughs> night. Right? Jesus. <laughs> I remember some, like, forum, like, trouble back in the day when this aired because they were mad that they didn't 
crucifying Necroi like they did in Magic Ranger and being like, huh, that's a dumb thing to worry about. But like, it's like, um, <laughs> just like, oh, like, why didn't they show her being crucified? It's a children's like, show. Even then I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a children's show in America, you weirdo. Like out. literally, if they did that, like there would be angry parents. <laughs> I mean, that would be great for us now, but then that would have gone over. Yeah, terribly. no, like Disney. Like I can just imagine Disney standards and practices just being like putting the N O in big letters on a memo. <laughs> and like to that point, from like a different angle, um. I like Chip as, like, the character, too, to, like, tell children, hey, it's all right to enjoy things and not have any, like, pretense about it. And, like, you'll still have friends and, like, you'll still, like, meaningfully, like, be a part of people's lives. Like, has that character, like, definitely Yeah, and, like, you know, like, the other rangers will, like, lightly tease him, but they they don't ever, like, degrade him for being who he is. Yeah. Um... No. It's, it's more of like, yeah, hey, that was cute. Like y- you're cute, you know. It's it's that like you said, it's not degrading. It's like that's just our friend. Yeah, he's a little weird, but he's our weird. And kind of just to finish off the point about the vampire hunting thing was just that like because he tries to convince I think Xander or Nick to join it, and like it just like it the way he sets it up is that like it sounds like a freaking MLM <laughs> where he's like, oh, for two hundred dollars you get like this kit that has like you know, steaks and a garlic bulb and, like, vampire chalk. I've known people that have done that, though, like, spent, like, $300 on, like, a Frog Brothers eBay, like, bag or something from, like, Lost I Boys. I mean, that's different. Full of stuff. Yeah, that, that sounds, sounds way cooler. Because cool. <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking, like, the MLM is, like, the vampire chalk isn't as good the garlic is kind of right. It's like because I'm trying to figure out like did he join a fan club or did he get like talked into joining like you know a vampire hunting multi level marketing scheme by like some other D and D nerd that like he's played like a few games with. I- I'm just imagining that conversation of "Hey, hun." <laughs> he's like, "Why are you calling me, hun?" <laughs> wants- I know we haven't talked since high school. Oh, yeah, yeah, you you kind of like dumped my head in a toilet. <laughs> anyway. I was more picturing like he was trying to one-up the person that bought a katana at the mall. <laughs> oh, oh god. Yeah, I can see that going either way. <laughs> his, his, his man card <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> like his beak rival right. he never saw. I would have hated that episode if they didn't. Like, here's Chip's <laughs> rival. Clint <laughs> McElroy. So somehow a bigger nerd. <laughs> And just I'm just imagining it like the episode of Bob's Burgers where like Tina and that one other like massive nerd at school like keep going around like asking people who they think is cooler and everybody just thinks they're just the biggest nerds in school and doesn't want to talk to them. Oh yeah, that was great. <laughs> that is probably yeah. what happened. Or maybe or maybe Chip's mom got it for for Oh, uh, it's just like him. like she cuz she just thinks it's cute just be like, "Oh, you know, it's like a little vampire hunting kid. I'm sure, like, he, you know, he'll have fun with that at his, like, you know, LARP games or whatever. <laughs> and then, you know, Chip literally uses it to hunt vampires. <laughs> we love Chip. And his his, pa- his power was lightning, which came up, like, what, like, like I said, like, their powers kind of came up, like, a little bit, but then they just mostly focused on their magic. Oh, for sure. Thing. Oh, I forgot. They did put this one note here where it just says, always down to die. 
he is always down to die. Like whenever they mention something could be fatal or like dangerous, like all right, let's do it. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> It's like, I, I let, let's do it. I, I am ready to die. This young death. Just, just Chip yelling better to burn out than the fade away, dressed like the Kurgan. Oh my god. Like, <laughs> don't give Chip any ideas. <laughs> <laughs> I, this is Halloween costume. <laughs> I, I guess we're moving on to uh, Vita, who, uh, Vita Roca, or V, and uh, she is the... Pink Mystic Ranger and just it's the biggest lesbian. Yeah, DJ like vibes. so far out of all the characters like we've come across that you could code as a lesbian, she's been the biggest one of them all. I mean, it's just like God damn, yeah. this lady's a lesbian. Like, you know what you got there? A lesbian. <laughs> like, like I have a feeling she has a super. Oh yeah, I mean, I'm well. I don't even know if she can drive, but she definitely have a super if she could. Yeah, like. It can fit all. It can fit her friends. It can fit all of her DJ equipment. Yes, exactly. Do we want to talk uh, about the best scene in the show though, where we see necrolized oh, human form? Yes, obviously. Yes. <laughs> um. So yes. towards the actually in the last episode of the series, um, when Necroli revives Daggeron and uh, Leonbo, uh, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, where she revives them, she loses, like, her vampire powers and becomes human. And, like, yeah. after she kind of, like, you know, reveals herself as a human, who, I think she goes by the name Nikki after that. Oh, really? <laughs> I didn't catch that. Yeah, so, like, Xander <laughs> has to make this comment of, like, oh, Lily's mom is hot. And then it cuts to Levita, and she's just got this, like, look on her face of, like, uh, yeah, she is. She says yeah, like, though. She's like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, Madison does not do that. Like, no one else does that. It's just Xander and V just being like, oh, my God. Lily's mom's been hot this whole time. I mean, when I was younger, I, I definitely would have been like, huh, Lily, who would want to have sex with a monster? Lately? And now I know. Yeah. But, um... <laughs> She was definitely hot already for yeah, some people. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like I look at that last year because I'm like, he's, he's already hot. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, um Yeah. So Kip actually pointed this out is that the color she has a color streak in her hair that changes every episode and it like apparently changes based on who the focus is. It's largely That's like blue or yellow catch. and green, yeah. It's fun. Yeah, and it, Something I didn't even catch, like, at all either. I was always like, huh, her hair color changes. And then Kip's like, oh, hey. Yeah, and then at the end of the, like, at the end of the series, like, after, you know, they've lost their ranger powers and, you know, peace is brought upon the earth. Like, she just decides that she's sticking with pink hair. And it's actually a really cute look. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she's definitely, like, that dad friend. She's very, like, she's not really authoritative, but she's definitely like, hey, we gotta do shit, you know. Uh, she looks after you in her own way, but she, like I said, like, that kind of gave her a big second-in-command vibe. Yeah, and, like, she's, she, like, there's literally an episode about how her and Nick butt heads all the time. Yeah, it had to do with the oh, yeah. DJ table, too. And then, like... And, like, compared to their relationships in Magi Ranger, um, it was, like, very fun to be like, oh, they totally made this their own in, like, ways that I did not think they'd be able to do, like... They work so well, like matching the footage to like th their stuff. It's like actually like a pretty hard right. thing to do because of like the whole like mm -hmm. 
Um, because I, I figure like the whole like V like doing the the peace sign thing like against her eye was taken directly from Magi Ranger. They would not stop justifying that. It didn't need to be justified that much. We have a peace sign, but they spent like six episodes being like V has her V side for Vita. Well, it's it's a common yeah. symbol. Well, actually, the the V is for Vita thing. <laughs> It was actually like two episodes, but God, that, that I think I might go into this later about how those two episodes feel like five. Yeah, because we're yeah, because so I think because no there we were doing when we were watching that episode, and we got to the end of that set. I was like, okay, that's the last episode for the night, and like Kurt and Sid were like, no, we have one more. I was like, no, we don't. <laughs> and then I had to go and count. I'm like, oh shit, yeah, we have one more episode. Why was that episode so fucking long? Yeah, yeah, that episode arc was. Yeah, the second of command really shown to me was when, like, um, it's like the, the second episode, or this, like, before the, fin- yeah, it was the second episode, and, um, so, you know, they, they're basically stuck in the cave, basically, of where the, the grand, like, master is gonna eat them and whatnot. Your zords are destroyed, like, everything's lost hope, and, Here's Nick being like, we're all losing hope, we're all going to die, and Vita's like, no, we're not! <laughs> yeah, Vita is, like, very hard-headed and is kind of the first to call people out when they need to be called out. And so, and like, especially, like, in the last episode, like, she's kind of the first one to, like, when Nick's about ready to give up, she's the first one to be like, what the hell are you talking about? And I, it's not until Maddie is the nice. one to actually stand up and say something that Nick finally is just like, it finally sinks in that, you know, everybody telling Nick that he's being an asshole and he needs to actually, like, step up and fight. <laughs> yeah. But, like, she's kind of the one of the first people to do it and just be like, hey, no, that's not how we roll. Yeah, it's always, like, nice, too, when it's not just, a, like, two dudes, Red Ranger, like, Blue mm-hmm. Ranger show. And, like, this show, definitely, I was, like, glad that for the first time in a minute, like, it felt like, uh, not really, probably since, like, Time Force, right? Where, like, th- there was, like, a, 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 like, female character, like, that close to, like, the lead, or, like, that would lead. Uh, yeah, I would say so, because it's just, like, because like, I would, yeah, because it wasn't really like that in Ninja Storm. Like, Ninja Storm, I would say, had a pretty equal distribution amongst the cast, but also helped that, you know, there was only, like, four regular rangers. Or, sorry, well, because you had your three main rangers, you had Cam, and then you had, you know, your Thunder Rangers. But, like, it, you know, it felt like an even distribution, but also, like, you know, uh, sorry, I don't know why I'm blanking on her name. But, oh, yeah. You know, and then, like, you had with Dino hey, Thunder, like, you had all the plots with Yellow. I can't remember her name. Why am I blanking on everybody's name? I think it's just, I think it. Kira and Dino Thunder. It's okay, Kira. So, so you're, yeah, Kira, um, and then you had, uh, were you talking about yes, Tori? Sorry, I think my brain just only makes so much room for whatever Power Rangers, and then it's just like, uh, I know I like that character. Why can't I remember their civilian name? <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. but yeah, Kira and Tori, they definitely, like, while they were equal parts of the team, they just didn't, they didn't feel like co-leaders. And then, like, you know, fucking SPD with Sky, you know, being all up in his own, like, yeah, I want to be Red Ranger. It's like I wouldn't, like, I wouldn't follow, um, not Z, Sid, 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 Sid. Yeah, I don't, I wouldn't follow Sid because she's a girl. 
Like, man, fuck off. Yeah, it has been a while since we had, like, kind of a, a woman character on the show who, well, I would even say going back to Wild Force, because Taylor was definitely, like, second in command of the Rangers in that season. Was she yeah, the Yellow Ranger the Yellow there? Ranger. Yes. And uh, then you had, like, Jen and, and Time Force. So it's been a while since that happened, and it was kind of like, huh, yeah, like, that was another, like, I guess it was another thing I catch is, like, yeah, V was mostly, like, the second in command, often in charge, as much as Xander thought yeah. he was second Xander's in command. the one who thinks he's in charge, V is the one who is definitely in charge. Yeah. Um, I made another, like, four logos joke, but, uh, let's face it, she definitely has the, like, energy, energy drink oh, for sure. vibe. Really into GameStop. Yeah. She re- She'd definitely be like, I have um, not ca- slept in three days. Yeah, I have not slept three days. Like, yeah. chugging Red Bull. M- maybe Monster. I think Monster may have been out by then, so. Making jokes about um, balls. She's just drinking oh, all those God. balls. Yeah, making jokes balls. about it, yeah. And it'd be around the right time for that. <laughs> I don't know, she's not a coder. Yeah, I'm not sure that, because, like, balls was definitely, like, I could see uh, Chip giving her balls. Because that was definitely more of, like, a, like, nerd drink. Oh, for sure. And so, because, yeah. like, it would make sense, especially with them, because, like, she, as she says, like, Chip's been her best friend since they were kids. And so, like, I'm sure at some point, like, you know, he would just be like, oh, I see that you keep trying to find new energy drinks. You should try to, like, you should try this one out. And then it becomes a problem. <laughs> yes. Um, so definitely something about V is that she's got very mid-2000s alt-girl fashion. Like, literally there was, like, one, yeah. like, she's got, like, the button-down, like, shirts that were kind of, like, they're, like, the, the femme-fitted, like, dicky shirts that were really popular around the time. She would often wear those. Oh, yeah. Um. I told her. Yeah, and then, so, things. like, she would often wear kind of, like, you know, stuff that you'd find in, like, Hot Topic around that time. Um. Some some camo. Yeah, pieces. like it, it's a little, it's a slightly uh, more evolved version of Kira's fashion, but it's still, it's still very early, like mid two thousands. Especially when the one time she came in with the layered like skirt. Oh yeah, jeans. like yeah. Who, homest amongst us didn't wear a skirt with jeans at some point. I mean, I don't <laughs> know if you did, Kip, but I don't know your life. No, I didn't. I I was much more of a. I guess I need to wear just excessive Hollister collar shirts mm. for a minute. Did you have multiple pop collars? I had a lot of collar shirts. I just kind of was like on cruise control those years, if I'm oh, being that's honest. Fair. But yeah, so her, like, these vibe for, like, I would say kind of the first few episodes is that she's very, you know, she's got a little bit of that not like most girls vibe. Mm-hmm. Why am she I pink? Like, yes, I hate but pink. I feel like she gets over it at some point. Or they just decide, eh, we don't really want to follow up on that character trait, which I'm fine with. Then she actually, like we said, she becomes a vampire like Carlos. Uh, uh, and unlike Carlos, uh, one, she doesn't turn into a cheap uh. bat on his, on his string and a <laughs> stick. Two, they actually do reference it in later yes. episodes, unlike Turbo, where they're just like, we're at the end of Turbo, just fuck it, he's oh, a vampire. God. Like, yeah, that's something I actually appreciated a lot about this series, and we'll mention it again later, that, like, whenever, like, things would happen to the Rangers, they would bring it up again in later episodes. 
Yeah, yeah, that was really cool. I'm, just, I'm so not used to that with Power Rangers because, especially like in the very early seasons, it's like things would happen, and then they would never talk about it again. Because it's like Tommy that hates like shark monsters, right? Something like that. Yeah, or like Billy has gone through like three girlfriends at this yeah. point. It's like yeah, Billy and his like Billy is the one who fools the most game in the series in a uh, Mighty Morphin. <laughs> It really was this funny of like, ha ha, he's the nerd. He can't get get a girl. And yet he had the most girlfriend. <laughs> oh, man. Um, But yeah, so like her whole vampire plot, I think, had a little bit more suspense than Carlos's vampire plot. Um, yeah. And, like I said, no cheap bat. And I could tell like the act. I can't remember the name of the actress who plays V, but she clearly was having a really great time with it. Because she got to be yeah. very over the top and like, Angie yeah, Diaz. yeah, Angie Diaz was clearly having a great time, kind of doing the vampire stuff, and I support her. And um, as we said earlier, yeah, she's like, um, uh, as you can tell, the four Rangers that aren't Nick, uh, definitely have had like a long-standing friendship. Uh, but she specifically is the one who talks about that she's been best friends with Chip since they were kids. Yeah, I, I made the note that, like, V is, like, Chip's Aiko to Chip's right. Eco. Like, it just seems like, it just seems like V is always saving Chip, which is, they brought it up on the vampire episode, Chip's like, I'm gonna <laughs> save you now. So, like, yeah, it's, cause it's like, I could definitely see that. Alright, and so kind of moving on to our next character is gonna actually be her sister, uh, which is uh, Madison Roca, aka Maddie, uh, and she's our blue mystic ranger. And whereas uh, V has the dad friend energy, like, Maddie has the mother of two friend energy. Yeah, I think Kip was the one who was like, she seems like she's right? a mother of two. Like, I was definitely like, oh, like, and I wish they would actually have a Power Ranger series where there was, like, a, like, single mom as part of the team. Because she gives those vibes, especially early on, where she's just, like, so much, like, <laughs> she's, yeah, just a lot of mom energy. Yeah, and so her whole thing is, like, I was trying to actually remember, like, the like other night when we were writing this episode, I was like, have there been siblings that have been Power Rangers before? Y'all quickly corrected me and said Lightspeed Rescue, which, yes, that is correct, but, like, Ryan was barely on the series, so it doesn't really count. <laughs> and he was also evil for, like, a part, yeah. excuse me, a part of it, and they also thought he was dead. There's, there's so, a yeah, they're at least Ryan. the first that are consistently, like, siblings in the series, so, you know... Or at least siblings that are consistently together. Yeah. So she's V's younger sister. And um, whereas V is very headstrong and like, you know, very outgoing. V is like, Maddie is more of the introvert. And like, because for the first few yeah. episodes, they have this whole bit about like where she like will constantly record people and like kind of be be-, be the one behind the camera. And there's like a whole episode where Nick's like, you're just it's behind like, the camera. You need to be more <laughs> outgoing. And then... Like, towards the end of the episode, after she gets turned into stone, that, like, he's like, yeah. oh, that's just, like, and V is just, v, this is another moment where V calls Nick out of just, like, where she's yeah. just basically like, no, that's just how Maddie is. She likes being behind the camera. That's how she is, like, expresses her friendship, and that's how she lives in the moment. You're just being a dick. One of the funniest moments was when you had, like, Udana say, maybe she expresses herself from behind her camera. Yes, Udana is, like, there to so, deliver some clarity. And like, yeah. I want to say, like, the last time they had the camera bit was in the vampire episode, just so that they could set up the whole, like, 
oh, she is a vampire because she's not showing up on camera. But yeah, it's, it's yeah. one of those things that they do early on and then kind of forget about it. But then, like, they would definitely remember to bring up, like, have Maddie bring up she got turned into stone that one time. Yeah. And, like, because there's an episode where she says that she, you know, she feels kind of, like, useless because, like, she hasn't really gotten to do much. And, like, you know, she literally turned to stone. And then, like, later in that episode, she, like, stands up to the monster. Yeah. And then uh, then she kind of brings up the stone thing, I know, when Jinji gets Yeah, so stone, she definitely, so. like, brings up that fact, and I, you know, I feel like it's justified, because if I got turned into stone due to magic bullshit, I would also remind everybody of that all the time. Yeah, it's like, that seems like a, that seems like a point. Uh, Kip, because of what you went over earlier with Maji's shine, and, like, yeah, how that and the blue Maji Ranger kind of get along... We now kind of have an idea of why she just has this weird crush on Daggeron that goes nowhere. It doesn't fit at all, really. Like, yeah. They didn't need to have the frog in all those, like, scenes. Like, if they were going to make them have a relationship, like, I would much rather just, like, it be, oh, can you give me my hat or something? And, like, change that up. Because that goes nowhere. Yeah, instead of just... Yeah, when Nora and she, like, hugs him at the end and everything, I'm like, he spent more time with the men, but okay. Yeah, like, you jokingly <laughs> said it, uh, he's the safety lesbian crush. It's, it definitely feels like the the non-threatening boy in a boy band that, the le- that uh, like, if you're into girls and you're a girl, like, I totally crush on right. this guy! <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally not, I'm totally straight. And that's, this is kind of how that crush yeah. kind of came off. Uh, yeah, she she got the kind of the biggest shaft in terms of character development, which really says something because the characters were, uh, you know, they they were kind of, you know, all of them kind of had things that made them them, but like, you know, it wasn't, you know, it's Power Rangers, so they're not going to be the most fleshed out, particularly in thirty two episodes. But yeah, she she barely. It's like, what do we know about Madison? Uh, this. And then at, like, the very end, I might yeah. add an additional note if I can verify, like, like a thing. But it just seems like something went along the ways where they shoehorned a thing with Nick at the end. Like, I just want someone to come back and wait for me. Yeah. I kind of got that yeah, early because, on, Yeah, like, they kind of hint early on in the series that she's kind of got a thing for Nick. That is true, but yeah, then and then it comes it. right back at the end where she's just like, "Well, you know, you should come back to Briarwood for me," and like he gives her her the blanket to you know for safekeeping. So it's like, okay, yeah. that was a thing. Yeah, that was a thing. It was just kind of they they hinted at they didn't do anything, and then they didn't she had that weird crush on Dagger on and yeah. didn't go anywhere. She it's probably like, gets hurt a lot was- by like some like footage constraints because a lot of her stuff is like missing her mom or being in a relationship with like Maggie shine in like that show. So like they probably cut some scenes too, because it wouldn't make sense for a character. All right. Well, you know, let's move on to, we mentioned him as the safety lesbian crush. So let's move on to Daggeron or Solaris Knight. As this was pointed out by both Kip and Kurt, he has big bail Organa energy. (laughs) He talks about stuff like he, is a politician like from the Republic? Like he does not really talk like a knight. Yeah, feels like and like I yeah. think Kurt wanted to specifically point out Big Jimmy Schmidt's energy, and it's like, yeah, that that kind of goes hand in hand. Like if yeah. you had told me that, like you know, he was the one who raised Bowen, um, I would have like, yeah, that that checks out. 
I mentioned he has a, he has an evil ex boyfriend. Right, because uh, Calendor. That's it. I knew it started Calendor. with a C. Yeah, because like in his introduction episode, uh, is played by Brian Pillman Jr. <laughs> yeah, sorry. His introduction episode was where like uh, is when they find Jinji, and then you know they and but they also uh, find Daggeron, who's turned to a frog. And then also Imperius gets out, but then Imperius takes his old human form of Kalendor and is trying to trick Udana at root core and everything, and mostly take advantage of the fact Udana's like, my friends are dead. Yeah, and like, because he initially, Kalendor tries to be like, oh no, it was Daggeron who's the one who betrayed me. And then, like, you know, Daggeron, like, turns into a human again after he gets kissed by Madison. But yeah, and he's just like, no, this is what really happened. Fuck you. <laughs> you. And then, like, all of a sudden, Imper- like, Kalendor turns into Imperius. Just, it really did have evil ex-boyfriend energy, so he he really is that gay man yeah, who seriously. who has a cat. Yeah, exactly. Chip's future. And then I was just like, I, <laughs> so he's played by John Twee, um, who was Doggy Kruger last season. And I, I didn't really see what he looked like, and then, like, he shows up, and I was just like, oh, no, he's hot. <laughs> Yeah, you're just like, oh, he's hot. Like, yeah. It's always, like, nice to have, like, a, like, adult ranger, though. Like, I like when there's a person who's not between, like, the age of 16 and, like, 21 on the cast. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, he's definitely, definitely, like, late 20, like, mid to late 20s. Yeah, he's definitely the adult in the room in most situations. Like, that's no shade to Udana. Like, you know, Udana's very clearly the mom of the team, both literally and figuratively. But, like, he's definitely, like, the capital A adult. Yeah. Whereas the, the others are like, we, we have entered adulthood. We are possibly on our last semester of college. But yeah. we're still drinking Four Locos every night. And he's the one who's just being like, let me teach you the ways of, like, being a knight and also craft beer. Yeah. <laughs> let me teach you the yes. ways of a fine whiskey, Vita. Oh, yeah. I mean... You know, she's like me in my early 20s. You just got to have somebody there who, like, is a little bit older than you and actually has good taste. You don't necessarily yeah. have to date them. She's learned my lesson. <laughs> um, and- I don't know. Can you like somebody without dating them? That sounds fake. <laughs> I know. Mean, I'm just saying don't don't necessarily date somebody who's 14 years older than you. But, you know. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Anyway, we 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 don't have as John Mulaney said, we yeah. don't have time to unpack all that. Um, so Daggeron, like he also kind of just takes it upon himself to teach the rest of the team to be knights, and like again, being the capital A adult in the situation, and like as soon as he kind of comes in, yeah. like kind of that's where you get more of the plots of like. You know, the Rangers have to learn to be humbled by a particular situation, particularly Xander in that one episode, but also with oh, yeah. Nick. And then, like, there's specifically an episode with Nick that he has to kind of learn to let loose a little bit. Yeah, like the Snow Prince, who only shows mm-hmm. up, like, twice in this series, just shows up out of nowhere, they kind of quickly explain it, and he's just like, Dagger on! You have to learn from Nick! It doesn't really mm-hmm. explain it or anything, and I think it's because the So Prince is like, you're a stubborn fucking bitch. And if I told you yeah. to learn to let loose, it's, you and it's so get funny it. when the Snow. Oh, we'll talk about that a little bit. It's really funny when like the Snow Prince just like he like you know Daggeron finally learns that lesson, and the Snow Prince is like, 
Finally, jeez. Jeez, should have lightened up. But yeah, that's Dagron. He's a capital A adult. He's the one who's like kind of having to teach the rangers to be, you know, actual like competent warriors and like adults and not like college disasters. Uh, so we kind of mentioned Nick and we've mentioned Nick a lot throughout all of this. So let's finally talk about Nick Russell, a.k.a. Bowen, a.k.a. the Red Mystic Ranger. And, you know, he's new in town. <laughs> He's got a leather jacket. Uh, his his thing was he just kind of started off lone wolf. He also was very like, uh, he also did, like the, his whole thing was like, I don't believe in magic. It's stupid. Even though he was like the first to go, because when they when they were all introduced, because he was new in town and he didn't know about the woods, they basically had like you know this test of this old man being like, oh, will someone go help me in the woods? And he's like, yeah, sure. Yeah, he's like the he convinces the rest of the team to go and help this old man. But he's still kind of very lone wolf. I don't need anyone. Like, and he uh, and he reverts to it from time to time. But as the series goes on, he kind of he finds fr- he finds a you know a group of friends in Briarwood. He um like he ends up finding you know his lost fa- like lost family connections. He didn't really think twice of until he like. You know, it ha- like it happened. I think Kip said earlier, like it's something he didn't really talk about because he wanted to. And he's like, "I'm I'm at peace that probably never knowing my birth parents and then he met them." He's like, "Oh shit!" And you know, he kind of just softens and becomes more of like a people person by the end of the series. And as we mentioned, like previously, he can definitely be kind of pessimistic at times. And there's definitely, definitely times yeah. he needs to yeah. be called, like he gets called out and said, "You know, you're being like." This is not how we need to be handling this. You need to be a leader. Again, grow up and get over it. You know, I think it might come from his own background of just sort of like, granted, you don't really know much about his parents besides the fact that, you know, they're missionaries that travel. Uh, And when I say parents, we mean his adoptive parents. Oh, do we know that? Um, You know. Yeah, that comes up a lot, like, missionary parents, I just realized, because that was also, like, Jack's backstory. And he was also visiting his adoptive sister, in town. Right. Okay. You know, that's why he was he was on his way to go visit her and then stuff was happening in Briarwood. Um, also, it was kind of very interesting at the end because of how he resolved all that. Just sort of carrying on with the whole, like, pessimism thing. Because, you know, the whole thing about, like, you know, he didn't believe, want to believe in magic. He wasn't, like, wanting to really connect with people at first. Didn't even really defend himself when, like, because there's this whole episode where, like, Lily tries to get Nick fired uh, from the the record store, so that way he'll go on a date with her. And like, so she basically stages it to make That's it look like up. you know he stole money from the shop. And like, it it seems convincing to the rest of the like the team, and they sort of not really asking Nick any questions. Like they just basically go to him and just being like, "Look, there's a thousand dollars missing from the store. It looks like you did it." Without really investigating, and, like, they kind of come at him, like, expecting that, like, oh, yeah, you're the one who definitely did it. And he just doesn't even defend himself. He's just like, well, I expected this, and leaves. <laughs> I can relate to that. Uh, that was definitely, like, um, like uh, at, because they, like, set up the expectation about, like, his, like, adopted family or, like, visiting family, and we don't see them, I definitely just... As somebody who was um, unhoused in like college mm-hmm. and like high school, uh, I definitely was like, "Oh yeah, that's 
actually a perfect response. That is exactly how you respond to like any kind of negativity. You're just like, you know what? Fuck yes. you. Yes. So like, it leave. definitely takes him a little bit to like warm up to people, and I think kind of like he has to learn that like, no, you know, these are your friends. These are this is your family. You are safe. Instead of just expecting that something bad it's is going to, to happen. Learn. Yeah. Yeah, the, the point I was kind of, like, making at the end when he does, like, find out about, you know, his birth family and all that. Like, his ending is, uh, you know, it looks like he is going to return to Briarwood. You know, not just by giving Maddie his blanket. But he he's also, like, on a journey with Udonna and Leonbo because he's like, oh my right. god, you gotta go meet my, right. my parents. My adoptive parents. Yeah, which is kind of rad. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of cool. Yeah. His jacket at the end was just, yeah. like, awesome, honestly. Yeah. As we kind of mentioned, at some point he ends up, like, I think it was Korag who, like, gave him the aggressive psychic link. And so, like, there's a good yeah. chunk of the series where, like, anytime Korag is just wants to meet Nick, like, he'll just, like, because initially he does it just to be, like, nobody wants you around, Ranger. And then at other times he's like, hey, man, I want to fight. Yeah, like, well, the first time, like, that episode you mentioned with uh-huh. Xander and everything, that's, like, what he did it. And then afterwards, he just kept it, and he's just like... Yeah, and then so fight, Nick bitch. would just be like, it's Korag, I gotta or go. Like, <laughs> or like, hey, something's up, and I don't like what the other monsters are playing, so I'm gonna play double right. agents, but I still wanna fight you. It definitely had the vibes of, like, um, in the start, at least, of, like, the person, like, um, who didn't mean to sound like they were coming on to you, though. Like, it was very, like sexually shins at first and i was like he, he keeps saying stuff like come here and i'll beat you yeah it's like a very yeah drunk. i i thought that too and i'm like they didn't think this through on how they delivered these lines because like you later find out that's his dad so i think my yeah yeah which i was just wondering like i wonder because i really wasn't totally around for like the, the fandom at the time so i'm just kind of like i wonder if there was this, a, a thing of just nick and like Lee and Bo, like, Korag shippers, and then, like, right at the end of the series, oh, no. like, oh, no. And then, like, 10% uh, of them are like, oh, yes. Yeah. Ah! Oh, so, like, knowing fandom, <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. And then, like, 1%, it's like, what if Korag <laughs> eats Nick? Uh, uh, what if they both <laughs> tried to get in the horse at the same time? It's like, <laughs> Just like even the, the worst like, possible version yeah, of horse so. outside. Um. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, because that aggressive psychic link to Korag, who is his dad, which I think, I think Korag keeps trying to figure out why he has like this link to Nick because like you know it's he's Leonbo, but he's like forgotten who he is. And then um yeah, and then like. I think my favorite bit with the psychic link is that, like, Nick tries to do it the other way, where he tries to, like, aggressively psychic link himself to Korag, and he doesn't. He thinks it doesn't work, and then, like, basically Korag shows up in his brain, like, what the hell do you want? <laughs> Why are you being so loud? I was trying to shower and eat. In this armor the whole time. <laughs> At the same time? <laughs> Shut up, child. I do like the 4D chess, though, of Korag being, like... I have to figure out why why me and this boy have some kind of link. So I'll make a psychic <laughs> link between our minds. It's like, yeah, that's how that that's fine. That's how that works. <laughs> that's how it's like, yeah. Oh god, don't do mind. that. Oh. I'm he's so, like he's a depressed oh. teenage boy. Like, well, I feel not teenage, but he's that. a depressed young adult. <laughs> Probably like not that fresh, like 
probably like one or two years out of being a teenager. Like, yeah, ugh. I don't. Okay, one, there's no good use of the <laughs> word probing, and I'm sorry. There really isn't. Like, I. The other is just like. I don't want to know what Nick's thinking about. He, he's a young. Like you said, he's a young adult. He probably, like. Like, this is around the time when, when internet porn was a thing. So Korag's like, aha, I know what Nick's. Oh, God! Why do I feel slightly disappointed? Maybe Korag like gets in there and is like, you know, Lily seems like a a like prosperous young woman. You should like try your chances there. And it's like, okay, Korag, yeah. leave. It's like, no, Go Korag. Away. <laughs> it's like, no. God, that would just be like Korag giving dating advice. <laughs> yeah. I hope I hope Leonbo doesn't. I'm glad that we see that the psychic leak is no longer there because I can just see Leonbo just oh god parenting afterwards. It's like oh, I'll tell your date, you dad. <laughs> dad, go away. And then like his mom tries to get on the line and stuff. Um, it's like the song. It's like that Bo Burnham song, Facetime with yeah. my mom, but like worse. <laughs> I can't. Oh, no. I can't help but picturing um, Nick going like, I need an adult. And then Cora going, I am an adult. I need a better adult. <laughs> Daggeron! Um, as we've obviously said throughout this entire episode, um, yeah, he is Udana's child. To the shock of everybody around them, but not to the audience. Good on yes. that child that figured it out years yes. ago. I hope you're having a good day. And, like, it's it's kind of funny, like... Is that she immediately jumps into being a like she definitely jumps into being like well I have like twenty years of parenting I have to make up for like right now. It's like and Nick's I like, just what? figured out who my birth mom is and she's already asking me to do chores. Remember yeah. uh, the time that like she told him to clean up because one day yes. they were going to save his dad. <laughs> it's like it's not today. It can wait. I can speak like, later, okay. Bob. That was like. Yeah, because it's like for the last couple of episodes, they try to make like Udana seem crazy for believing Leonbo is alive. It's like, including like having her. Yeah, it's go like out this seems a little mean. <laughs> yeah, I will say I felt uh, when when this is found out and they're like, "Oh, you're the light. You're gonna be able to like kick this monster's ass and all that." And they keep calling him Bowen, and he's like, "My name's Nick." And it's like, wow, this is a mood because of, like, having to deal with old relatives just calling you by an old name you, do, right. you just don't answer to anymore. <laughs> like, I have experience with that. We don't have yeah, time it's to like, yeah, that, we don't have time to unpack now. all of that. <laughs> but just that, that is that is a very specific mood. And uh, we've been talking a lot about Donna and her connection with Nick. So why don't we actually, like, go into Adana and, like, that ending and everything? So yeah, Udana is the White Mystic Ranger. She only has her powers for like four episodes, which makes more sense now when finding out that the character who was the White Mystic Ranger, who's the White Magi Ranger, died. But like, so she's yeah. kind of the she's a ranger slash mentor. Uh, she has great fashion sense. It's some wild oh, pants yeah. and like corset yeah. situation going um, on, and her hair just always kind of like for the most part, her hair is always in this like weird curl situation. And then there's, like, one episode where she wears this, like, gorgeous kind of black overcoat. The very oh, end, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, she's very, yeah, she has very good fashion sense. Um, And like I said, she's, like, even before she realizes Nick is her, like, long-lost child, she definitely has, like, uh, mommy vibes, as Sid put it. 
I, I was like, she's definitely like like stern but good mother vibes. It's like, yeah, and so she tries to she kind of steps in to kind of be the mother for the rest of the team. Favorite line really was like, go get your own pizza. Hits hits the McDonald's. It's like, yeah, me. so if you did not see our Twitter, we uh we have this chart now that we're going to update as uh, as we continue on watching the series is that we just like we decided to make a chart oh, no. of all of the ranger mentors and how they fall on the whole like scale of like whenever the rangers see McDonald's in the distance and start chanting McDonald's McDonald's are they also chanting with the rangers are they saying do we have food at home or are they going through the uh, the drive through buying one black coffee and leaving so we decided she is somewhere between saying we have food at home and driving through the uh, driving through the drive-through and getting one black coffee. It's just depending on her mood. It's like how much is she dealing with your bullshit today? But like, she also seems like the type that if she did do the like one black coffee and leaves, she might go like go back around in a couple of minutes and get everybody at McDonald's. I was like, okay, yeah. fine, you convinced me. You She's more of like again, depending on her mood. Well, she just, and, and we talked about that, she just kind of starts out a little bit sad and kind of in a very dire situation. Even though she's not, like, totally showing that to the mm-hmm. Rangers mentor, there's still a bit of sadness to her. And it's not until, like, uh, you know, with, with the whole uh, thing with Claire being the gatekeeper, and then we, we are introduced to Daggeron, that a lot of her stuff gets, kind of her past gets exposed, where... Yeah, she had a sister at one point, and her sister died, like, closing the gate, and she's, she basically had to raise Claire. Um, and then, you know, like, with Daggeron, her main concern was like, well, if Daggeron's alive, and I guess Kalendor, then maybe right. me and Bo and Bowen are alive. You know, it's just, and then when she kind of finds out that it's like, there's a possibility that they're alive, and that starts to unravel... Like, she gets more and more hopeful, you know, it's just, and then when she kind of finds out that it's, like, there's a possibility that they're alive, and that starts to unravel, like, she gets more and more hopeful, to the point, like you said, like, at the end, like, she actually goes and seeks out Leonbo. Yeah, and I think she actually does find out about, like, she finds out about the whole thing where Phineas brought Bowen to the human world. Yeah, that was yeah, her big clue so that they might she, be alive. Yeah, so then that, like, that gives her a lot of hope, even though she knows that she can't really go seek him out in the human world, at least not yet. Yeah. Something- Because she found out, it was under, right? her, under her nose the entire time. Yeah. Uh, something they don't do a lot in, like, the franchise broader, but I think, like, just because we know Power Rangers are meant to be a team, like, they're- so much of that sadness just gets across by the fact that we see her as a lone yeah. ranger. Yeah. Because, like, she doesn't really get to be part of the team of Rangers, except, like, like once in kind of the middle of the series, and then, like, once at the end. Like, kind of once she gets, like, once she gets her powers back permanently. Yeah, like, two like, fights. Two fights like, <laughs> sadly. So, so that she, like, she definitely has that loneliness because, she, like, she never, like, she probably hasn't been with, like, a team of Rangers since, like, the original Mystic Rangers, like, you know, Mystic Force Rangers back when... You know, they were trying to close the gate. I brought this up when we were watching it, and it kind of ties back to what I was saying earlier about, like, it kind of, like, feels like it took a lot of lessons from Wild Force in terms of, like, what story they wanted to do. Is that she kind of has similar, but yet still opposite vibes of Princess Shayla. And that they're both very, like, team moms, but, like, they're both very different in terms of how they, like, execute that. 
And, like, yes, they're also both very lonely figures because, like, you know, Shayla's been on the Animarium, you know, asleep for many years. But, like, she's been alone for a very long time. And Udana's also been alone for a while as well. And, um, (laughs) whereas, like, Udana is, you know, depending on her mood, is either saying we have food at home or driving through the McDonald's um, line with buying one black coffee and leaving. Shayla is firmly in the McDonald's, McDonald's camp of just like very enthusiastically doing things that she probably shouldn't be doing. (laughs) So like, yeah, I would say like, yeah, I feel like Udana definitely would think things through more than Shayla, but I feel like they have such a shared sense of, um, camaraderie but also sense of how they do things like they i i can't decide if they would get along or not um one thing that kind of bothered me a little bit was it seemed like the like way magic worked in the series that if you got sealed away some way you got like held in time and like you didn't age and udana back when things went down seemed significantly younger than Leanba. Yeah. That was a little weird. That was one thing. Leanbo's actor was the same, both in kind of the flashback scenes and then when we see him in the present. Yeah. And whereas, like, they had a younger actress playing Madonna, and it's just sort of like, um, okay. Yeah, it's kind. I'm thinking either do the money or like do the fact that you know even a 20 year old man can look old. I mean, look at Alan Angels. Like the day I found out that like he turned 21, I'm like, how? It's like, he's 22 now, but, like, still. Or is he 23? I don't remember. He's still a baby! So, it's like, yeah, it's just like, sometimes, it's like that joke of the two men at the gay bar, and they're both 22, and one's, like, old as shit looking, and the other one's, like, Yeah, it's just like, sometimes, you know, you grow a full beard and go bald when you're, like, 19. It's fine. Yeah. But, anyway, so that's kind of it with regards to the ranger characters. Um... So let's kind of move on to our allies. And our first one is Claire, the gatekeeper, and also a sorceress in training. Uh, she is basically Sailor Moon uh, in that she's very, yeah, she like, is. as the series, as she she's is. kind of first introduced, she's shown being very clumsy, but she's also very sweet. She's kind of not great at being a sorceress when we first meet her. Especially when she turned herself into, like, a thing of hot cocoa. And I think she turned herself into a sheep at one point. Yes. Okay, and so she's yes. just like she's very she struggles okay. a lot, and like I think she also lacks a lot of confidence because she knows that she's not particularly great, and she's that she's very clumsy. But then, like you find out that her mother Niella was the one who sealed the gate when, um, basically when like what happened like twenty years beforehand, and like that she also has that power within her. And so she's like this secret, pa- secretly powerful moon, like sorceress, who like is able to like help seal away the darkness again. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's like yeah, you're like what Claire? And like I, I think after that is that she who kind of known? like when she learns of her own power and kind of her own origin story of like the fact that her mother was a very powerful sorceress and that you know her let uh, Udana is her aunt. That, like, it kind of lets her be more confident as the series goes on. And, like, you know, she she becomes more of her own, like, she becomes more of a confident and competent sorceress, which is very cool to see. 
Because I, I feel like they could have easily kept her as, you know, comedic, uh, like, relief for, like, the rest of the whole series. But they decided not to do that. And it was really great. And as we said, she's Udana's niece. And, like, I don't think she, like, if I remember correctly, like, she doesn't know that fact for, like, most of the series. Yeah. Oh, and so, like, right. Udana, I, but obviously Udana huh. knows that. And she's, like, always, like, even before, like, you know, Claire learns about, like, you know, her past and Udana being her, her aunt... Like, she, like, Udana is very, like, again, very much kind of in that mother figure to her of just, like, you know, I would never give up on you. Because she, she's, like, the only one who understands, like, what kind of potential Claire has. But, yeah, that's yeah. that's kind of mostly what it is to Claire. And by the end of the series, like, she's kind of the, she's the sorceress that is running Root Core. Um, yeah. Yeah. Especially, uh... Especially, like, and she also, at the end of the series, uh, helps with Udana's, like, helps a little Right, bit, I mean, she I doesn't have the power, on. like, the gatekeeper powers anymore, because, like, I guess she could only access the powers in her mother's tiara for, like, for one go-round. I'm just trying to remember if she, uh, went She with did, Udana yeah, because she left Root Core to go uh, join she, her. She did, then, that was like, her powers, though. When she gets captured, she teams up with Phineas and Lily to get her back. Yeah. And then like yeah, that's 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 yeah. that's basically it to Claire and like the big like reveal at the end of the series is that she knows like she finally figures out how to do a disappearing spell like and make herself fully disappear. Yeah. And she shows it off and she shows Yes, it. exactly. She's so proud like she should be. So kind of our next ally in the human world is going to be uh Toby Slambrook who is the owner of the Rock Porium is therefore the boss of all of the Power Rangers. Also, we we talked about how like he's actually really good. It's like at yeah, unlike Ernie. Um, uh, yeah, you know, he seems like he knows what he's doing. Uh, he 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 has a, such a soft spot for the Rangers. He doesn't outright fire him, but he does try to hi- that he later hires Lily in the series to be like, look, I need yeah, someone who's just like at, like me. after all the his complaining about like, yeah. oh, you guys just get up and leave all the time. Like, why don't you just like fire them? But, like, he clearly likes them and, like, wants to, like, yeah. I don't know, like, kind of reminds me of a manager I used to have of, like, you know, he need like, he, he desperately wants to be liked. Maybe because yeah. it's, like, they're the cool younger crowd. Yeah, it's like, I just, I just want to be liked by, by the cool younger crowd, so my, my shop is hip. Yeah. As you noted, he has big stoner vibes. <laughs> He definitely bought weed from Moon Dude. Oh, the enduring legacy of Moon Dude from Mast Rider. Oh shit. Okay. It's just that he sticks out in our mind because that he was happened. literally named they literally called him Moon Dude. Like if he was just Chad or something like that, we'd be no, like, Moon okay, whatever. But wet. they just called him Moon Dude and he looked like a guy who would absolutely be called Moon Dude. Dude. And he definitely looked like his, his arcade business was a front for it's his like, yeah. business. I did like having the record store be, like, their center for, like, stuff and not school or, like, somewhere else. Like, I liked how it was like, oh, here's, like, work, but also it seems like a positive work environment for, like, yeah, yeah young people, too. Yeah, that was, oh, I, I, the thing I was going to point out with, like, later Power Ranger seasons is they definitely they definitely lean more away from high school teenagers to more, like, what young adults would do, like, just out of college or Yeah, because you had the extreme sports shop in uh, Ninja Storm. 
And then, I obviously, yeah. Dino Thunder was a high school season. And then, like, SPD, they didn't really have anything outside of work. Oh, yeah, they just yeah, so like hut. You know, I did definitely like the having the environment of the rock porn. Because I did love the whole vibe from Ninja Storm about, like, they would all just hang out at the at the shop. So I did kind of love having, like, the Rock Porium as kind of this other central place outside of Root Core. <laughs> Sid will make fun of me for this. Is that, like, so the actor who played Toby, um, is Barney... What the fuck's his last name? Sanders. Yeah, Barney Sanders. He's also the actor who played Piggy on SPD. And, um, well, one, it's kind of obvious when you listen to their voices. It's just like, oh, okay, that makes sense. But also, since, you know, Piggy was just in, you know star trek like tv show makeup the entire time i was just like oh he's actually kind of cute yeah no i was floored that you would find yeah, him cute i guess like, it's like oh okay i was just like oh okay like i don't I, it's like i don't know how to describe he's kind of got like again like your stone like your stoner dad friend vibe like yeah he's a stoner but he's not that weird about it yeah. And to clarify. It's not like, hey, yeah, guys, exactly. into my crypto. <laughs> oh, no. He would totally have a, a, a like, um, crypto ATM in his, like, shop, like, though. Maybe just on. because it's like, oh, well, maybe this will be a thing that brings in more business. Not necessarily that he, like, is into crypto. The way he likes to solve puzzles, maybe he is, like, one of the things oh, that mines God. for crypto. <laughs> he is crypto. And um, that actor is Barney Duncan. No, it's not Barney, Barney Sanders. His first name. <laughs> oh, like, I no, thought you I said, said Bernie, Barney. Which is why I said Sanders. <laughs> okay, Barney. Duncan. Okay, well, it's Barney yeah, Duncan. I just couldn't remember his last name. And he shoots above his weight class too, because uh, at the end he gets yeah with Necroi. Like, yeah, it's like why would they? Especially because like he's got some trauma overlaid from uh, Necroi, so it's just like why. Like, like she literally snatched a guy in front of him, and so it's just like, yeah, I'm gonna go date Lily's mom. Like, what? That was very heterosexual out of nowhere. Like, you you could have just had Lily's mom, like Necrolite, be single. You know, that was fine. Yeah, because it's just like, wh- why? Okay, is it just? It just really just felt like weird compulsory heterosexuality at the end. I don't. I didn't get it. There's a, there's a lot of that this season, sadly. That's like a deterrent, I think. Not a deterrent, but like a, a downer note. Yeah, and kind of going back to like Toby. Besides that, it was like he is kind of the human mentor this season, along with Udana. Whereas Udana's kind of teaching them the ways of being rangers and magic. Like Toby's just trying to like teach them how to be responsible adults. Yeah, and kind of just like. He's he kind of ends up being like the voice of the humans towards the end of the series, where he's just like initially he like especially because he hires Phineas to work at the shop, but then like fires Phineas in a heavy case of employment discrimination, I believe. Where like, listen, Phineas, your face is too scary, so we just we gotta let you go because you are literally like uh, tearing into my profit margins. <laughs> but then like he eventually comes around is like no like. We need to work together with the people in the forest to, like, help the Power Rangers. And then, as we noted, he's also a big puzzle solver. Like, when they need to, like, open the, the case to the Fireheart, like, they, can, they can't they can figure out what the hell it means, so they just get Toby to do it. 
Yeah, like Toby's like, I'm the best so- puzzle solver yeah. on the planet. And they're like, Let's which one is a good way to kind of take care of that little mystery instead of just having the ranger sit around trying to figure out like how to open this like chest. But also, too, it leads to a very Pepe Sylvia moment yeah. <laughs> of like that chest don't, had to have like 30 minutes left on it. And Toby manages to come up with this whole like conspiracy board about how to open it. <laughs> yeah. I got boxes full of Pepe. <laughs> Okay, so we've mentioned Phineas already, so uh, let's talk a little bit more about Phineas, who's actually played by the same actor who played Boom. <laughs> by the way, his act, like that same actor, oh. uh, whose name I'm unfortunately forgetting right now, like he actually comes back later in the series, like later in um, Mystic Force is like an elf who's just like... No, it was, it was, oh yeah, he does, sorry, because also like Piggy Yes, yes, I mean, obviously we'll talk about that like a little, in a, a little bit later. But like, no, I was like, no, I'm talking here specifically yeah. about like, like Boom's actor doing double duty in terms of like playing just like a, a, a random elf in the forest who's just like, leave humans. <laughs> and then like, yeah. And then like you also playing suck. Phineas, who is just this, uh, he is literally a, what do they call a troblin? <laughs> is that he yes. is, uh, he is part of a troll and goblin union. Got that one over kids' heads. It's like, yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, so he is Kelson uh, Henderson, and uh, he uh, he was also the weird, like, Euro trash producer, too. Oh, that was him! Okay. <laughs> he's just, he's just gonna show, he's just gonna show up, and we're just gonna be like, hey, it's him. Though, from, from, uh, here on in, it's kind of like, you know, voice acting until we get to, uh, Mick, but, yeah. um, yeah, apparently he's he's he was elf okay. leader like that. Elf yeah, it definitely elf seems leader. like at this point in Power Rangers that they have like a um they have like a an, an actor who played a side character. They will bring them back if they like enjoyed working with them enough. Which is um, good, yeah. Because obviously they brought back John Tweedy like to work on um you know to be you know Daggeron and after being Doggy Kruger like um. Kelson's returned back a few times, obviously. Toby's returned back a couple of times. So yeah, I definitely feel like we're getting in that season where you're starting to see repeat actors. I guess that comes with, you know, working yeah. in New Zealand. And so you have like you can have consistent act a uh, consistent actor pool in New Zealand. So Phineas is such a weird character in the series because he's kind of like comic he kind of becomes a little bit more comic relief when claire kind of starts phasing out of that role but he's also like a weird advice giver and he knows things about the woods and so like he'll give advice but it's layered through like a weird story about like how he got chased off by like some weird monster or whatever (laughs) and like um Kind of a big thing that about him is that he took Nick to safety when he was a baby and kind of feels a real big, feels real big guilt about it. I mean, cause I think it was that like basically Daggeron like was trying to take Nick to safety and then like, uh, got attacked and basically dropped Bowen. And so here Phineas sees what's goes, what's happening rescues the baby and then takes him to the human world in order to like save him. Yeah, Phineas just has, like, a very strange role in this series of somehow just being very wise, but also very stupid. Yeah, very stupid. Has a face that could launch a um, boat. Yeah, 
He does set up my favorite scene in the whole show, though, when he goes to the dentist, and it's the weirdest. Uh, yeah. The dentist was so uh. weird. Yeah. Oh, no, that was... I was thinking about that, the, the dentist episode. Because they go to the dentist, and the dentist... And they're, like, playing with the dental chair stuff and, like, the water and, the and like, the knives. Then the dentist comes in and looks in a mirror and then says... Why are you interrupting me and my patient to them when he sees them? It's just such an odd. Yeah, it was very <laughs> yeah. odd. And then, like, the the weirder thing, though, is that towards the end, he becomes basically, as we joked, as the pod, the eventual podcaster boyfriend of Lily. Is that Lily? Like, yeah. Like, he they meets Lily and it's just like, oh, she's really pretty. And I just thought, okay, this is just, he's going to awkwardly flirt with her, but she's not going to reciprocate. And then she does. <laughs> That was wild. I was like, oh, this is great. She wants that Faninus. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I just heard okay, so my reaction to you saying that was I literally like stuck like I tried yeah, I was seriously just not trying to give away like, oh, oh, you're gonna you're gonna run into something funny with that. Oh, uh, I cause I just didn't think it was gonna happen. Cause like this has happened in Power Rangers before where like the really ugly monster creature like thinks a girl is pretty and then it just does like she rejects him. Yeah. And then it's like, oh no, they're a couple for the rest of the series. <laughs> and like, they're kind of wholesome. It's kind of cute. So I had to find out about the dentist because I'm like, well, the dentist was kind of familiar when you brought him up again. Well, he was Marty the Mackerel from like Dino Thunder. What? <laughs> for that one episode where they're like, uh, later, like Kira is working at a kid's show. Right. And, like, he, I think he's, like, the mackerel that gets captured and turned, he, like, turned into a giant monster while they, the guy was, ba- it's basically a weird death to smoochy episode where the guy, right. you know, this the, is terrifying. one guy was mean. I'm like, oh, he was, he was that guy. It's terrifying. Yeah. And then, like, yeah, that's, that's sort of Phineas. And then, like, it's, a, this is also another episode where, like, he, fi- like, Fireheart runs off in the woods because I think Genji puts him in the woods. Oh yeah, abandonment issues. Yeah, and then like so, Phineas finds him and tries to raise him as his own, and then like I don't know, it's like a co-parenting situation after that. Yeah, Phineas is an interesting character. Like I never know how to take him. Yeah, I feel like a little similar. Like he he's very he's very interesting. Uh, sometimes when I watch Mystic Force, I'm like, I get annoyed by this guy. But this time I wasn't. I was like, okay, he's he's all right. Yeah, and then, like, he's the one who, like, convinces, like, the creatures of the forest to, like, hey, you know, the humans aren't aren't all bad. Like, we need to, like, help, like, we need to team together with them to help the rangers. So, like, he's kind of filling Toby's, situ- like, role in that situation. And so, like, it's basically him and Toby that, like, kind of help facilitate that connection and bring about, like, you know... Though the monster, like the like the creatures living in the forest, living peacefully with the humans. Yeah. Okay, so we already talked about Genji, so let's talk about Genji, who is a sentient cat genie. Yes, and uh, he has the weirdest backstory in that he is an exile from his home world due to the fact that he was more popular than the king. So the king basically like did a disinformation camp like a misinformation campaign against him and then had him exiled okay was Genji from like a dimension where it was also degrassi next generation 
I have no idea. Like, I, I'm just imagining it like Cats meets Degrassi. Yeah, like, this is a he very, was not, like... He was not the Jellicle choice. <laughs> uh, but so, this causes Genji to have abandonment issues. To the point, yeah, to the point where he's just like, I'm gonna throw Fireheart in the woods, because I don't like how you all wild. pay to more than me. Yeah. Just put him in the woods. Bye, baby. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's also Dragon Baby. It's like, it shouldn't be that hard to find. <laughs> yeah. Reminds um, me of a couple of my cats, honestly. They they definitely have abandonment issues. <laughs> yes. Like, Koda, if, if Koda had, like, sentient genie powers, he would be so much like Genji. <laughs> Considering that cat gets upset when I leave, and I'm no, not even no. that far from the door. Yeah, no, I still remember, like, when we were living together, like, you went outside to sit on the porch one time, and he was just at the door just being like, eh, eh, come back in, I miss you. <laughs> it's like, I'm right here, you dumb butthead. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um. So, yeah, and so... He's due to kind of his backstory, because, like, I think Daggeron was the one who, like, rescued him from, Yeah, basically, like, so what I, from my understand, is, like, Daggeron kind of, from what it looked like, like, Daggeron rescued him, uh, from, like, from basically ma- having a fate worse than death by just turning him into a genie, because, oh, I'm gonna rub this lamp. Yeah, because, like, he almost, like, basically Genji almost died. And, like, Genji can't be outside of his lamp for, like, more than a couple of hours or he will die. Yeah. Yeah. In my notes, I said he was very Flabber-esque from Beetleborgs. Yeah. I mean, for what I've seen of uh, Big Bad Beetleborgs, he kind of was Flabber-esque. And what I remember of Big Bad Beetleborgs, I could see it. Um, As we said, he's the cooler Ninjor. Ninjor. (laughs) And, like, a sexier Zordon, too. That. I'm just saying bullshit, uh, it's fine. <laughs> I mean, for sexy, furries, sec- I guess. <laughs> yeah, sexier furry Zordon. It's like, yeah, I mean, if you're into that sort of thing. Yeah. Cause, yeah, he kind of fills this very similar position of, like, Ninjor or, or Zordon, where he's kind of this, like, kind of mentor, kind of helps the rangers with powering up, but, like, otherwise, like... You know, and also he's obviously a source of power for um, Daggeron because yeah. they obviously work together. But like, other than that, it's like he's not really what we would call a central character to the series. Yeah, poor baby, he's a you good know. caddy, key cat. Yes, and he, yeah, he we like Genji. He was he was literally a scaredy cat, and I love that. Yes, it was it was kind of hilarious how much of a coward he was. Kind of our last like like straight up good ally. Uh, she's not in the series for very long, but we kind of have to mention her, uh, which is the return of Rita Repulsa as the Mystic Mother, who is the um, she is the sorceress who is the source of all good magic in the in the universe. You were so happy about this. Oh man, I've been waiting. I have been waiting to see the Mystic Mother for like ages. Like I was so happy when we finally got to her. Like, and it's been like 84 years. It's been 84 years. Like I I know I am the, you know, I am the Rita Repulsa like fan club of this podcast, but like I was just so happy to see that. And like she's only there for two episode episodes, but her impact of just like 
you know, she's the one that they have to, like, protect because, like, if she if she goes, all good magic in the universe is gone. Yeah. And then, like, it's just, like, it's so good. I, I, loved, I loved how she looked. I loved, like, getting to kind of get that update on her. And, like, she is just... Uh, she is everything. She is that bitch. She, like, she almost dies, but she is too smart for the master to get one over on her. Oh, yeah. I love that at the end. It's like, you thought you could, you could do that to me. It's like, it's like, you gotta be smarter than that. It's like, ugh. It's like, Rita Repulsa took a DNA test and she's 100% that bitch. <laughs> I love this in Magi um, Ranger, but it was even better here. Like, I know it's a, she's a different character in Magi Ranger. But, like, here it was, like, even better because she was Rita. And I was like, oh, I didn't know they did that. Like, I had no clue this was going to happen. I was just like, oh, like, seeing the same, like, actor was cool. But then seeing the same role, I was like, this is cool as hell. Like, I did not know, like, this, like, did this. And, like, 14 years later, that's, like, a really cool thing to find. Yeah. yeah. I thought, like, I thought it was a great plot point. I know that it's, um, I think it came about because, uh, as, as, from what Sid told me, I think it came about because, uh, Machiko Soga had recently passed away. Mm-hmm. So they wanted to put her in, like, they wanted to put the Mystic Mother in the series as a way to, like, honor her and her contributions to power the history of Power Rangers. Yeah. And I, I just thought that was such a nice touch, you know, of just, like, kind of bringing, like, kind of putting that little cap on Rita's story. Because we know the whole thing about, like... You know, the Z-Wave that purified, like, everybody. And, you know, we see human Rita at the end of the series. But I I just love to see that she still has her magic. And that she still, like, has become this important person in the, like, in the universe of Power Rangers. Yeah. And, like, that she is somebody who is basically, you cannot fuck with her. She is unfuckable. Like, she is unfucked with. Unfuckable. I don't know. Whatever. You cannot mess with Rita Repulsa. Or, like, good or bad. She is always going to be that like that powerful witch and in this case a good sorceress speaking of villains that turn good uh we have a couple of villains that turn good even at the last episode right so we have so, our obviously our main one is korag aka leonbo so we've kind of went over the psychic link uh but some of the things we didn't touch on was how zuko like he was at the very beginning with like honor Right, because they bring that up is just that for the first, like, several episodes, he's basically, like, he's somebody who has so much, he has such honor that he does not want to, like, have an unfair fight with the Power Rangers. Rubicante like, from Final Fantasy IV, who yeah. would kill you before your fight. Yeah, so, like, there's often times where he will, like, say something, like, that he will just leave a fight before it's over. Because, like... He like he's basically he if he's win it's a case where he's winning unfairly he will just leave. It's like I I want to fight with honor. Yes. So it's like he so he like he's obsessed with like, so he's obsessed with honor and this I think this becomes like the first hint that like him and like uh him and Leonbo have a connection. Yeah. Yeah. Because they talk about how oh you know Leonbo always fought with honor and yeah, that was like. like a- Big thing with Leonbo fought with honor. Yeah, it's like, hmm. Yeah, because I think that um, if they're going to go like, oh, Rita got purified but still kept her character, like, this is like the inverse of that. Like, oh, got turned evil but still like an honorable dude. Yeah, and so like, I, it's like, so I just, I really like that particular detail. And then like, 
Uh, as we mentioned, he has the psychic link with Nick, which gets a little weird at some points. He has a cool horse. That was kind of the weirdest first connection was actually the cool Catastros and how Catastros like Nick. Yeah, and so like, because he initially tries to like link, you know, get control of Catastros, but then like uh, Korag is the one who manages to like maintain that link, I guess. And then like, um, so obviously like once, like obviously that's kind of your first clue. But then, like, stuff comes together when we learn more about Nick and Udana's past. And and then all of a sudden, you know, they bring up the whole honor thing. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh, it's Lee and Bo. And it's like, Nick, it's your dad. Woogie, 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 woogie. <laughs> <sighs> you can tell what one of our favorite jokes is. <laughs> uh, but, yeah. But, uh, so, like... He's evil for most of this, but like like we kind of said it like a part of him is there, which I do like because when, when like we've had like dealt with evil rangers before, like uh, you know, they never had like the part that was good with them before always stayed. You know, it was mm-hmm. just always like, We're brainwashed and we're here to kill you. And fuck uh, shit up. Unless it's Eric, then he was just like, I'm an asshole. But now you found out I'm still an asshole, but I like things. Uh <laughs> It's like, I try to be a, like, secret, but I'm secretly a good person. Yeah. It's like, I'm an asshole, but I'm also a good person. Um, but, um, you know, he kept, like, that honor bit to him and everything, and so when it kind of the big reveal, it actually makes a lot of sense, especially the night motif and everything. And then he kind of falls to evil again, and that's when Udana goes and tries to find him. Then he gets good, and then he dies. But then he gets better. I love Power Rangers where if you're, if you are, it's like if you're tapped to the morphing grid or something, if you die, you will get better. Right. It's like nobody stays dead in Power Rangers for long. Yeah, no (laughs) one ever really depowers. Yeah, it's like, it's like, yeah, it's like, hey, everybody, you remember what happened with Kendrix? (laughs) She came back. Yeah, Uh, she's fine. Her soul was in the sword all along, you know? (laughs) Uh, there's a couple times in Power Rangers look like, Power Rangers will die and then come back, but if you're not a Power Ranger, well, you're fucked. You're just dead. Yeah. Like Cole's parents. Oh. Yeah. Cole's parents. Man. Um, and then, okay, so kind of moving on from, like, like I said, he, he dies, he gets better, so, you know, we don't have to worry about- He died with Daggeron, too. That was also really- Yeah, they died, and then, like, at the end, uh, Lily was just like, hey, mom, you're the queen of the vampires, you can fix this, right? Yeah, and they- they got- they get back, and then, you know, Liam Bo is basically like, I'm gonna actually, like, take time to know Nick as a person. Yeah. I'm gonna get time to know my son. My son. My boy. My beautiful hair. (laughs) Um, yeah, he had gorgeous hair. Um, but yeah, and then, so, kind of, we've already talked about her a lot, is Lily, Lily, Lily Pimvare, or is it Pimvare? Pimvare, I think, because vampire. Yeah, either way, it's an anagram for vampire. Ah. <laughs> um. Eel, eel vampire. Yeah, she's, is there, yeah Lily the vampires. Well, because we don't know if she actually has vampire powers, we just know that she is the daughter of a vampire. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's supposed to be she's supposed to mature into that, and she re- refuses. Right. 
But before we find out all of that, we she is also new in town. Yeah, so she's yeah, so she's new in town and she kind of starts off with being this annoying rich girl, nobody who has this really overbearing crush on Nick and but nobody really likes her. Yeah, I think like I, I think V took a chance to get to know her with that DJ set and everything. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, that sounds cool. I'll go with you. Yeah, and then it doesn't really work out because her mom basically is just like, you need to come home now. And, and then we find out why. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so, like, to midway through the series, we find out that she's Necroli's daughter. And then so she joins up with Necroli for a bit and is hanging out in the pit with all the monsters. And she hates it. <laughs> yeah, she's just, like, not happy to be there. Yeah, she's turned to a bug constantly. Uh, you know, everyone's kind of, like, not wanting to deal with her and her ideas. Her mom is way too focused on her job. So, yeah, she eventually just kind of escapes, especially since she finds out she's supposed to become, like, her mom and a monster. And she doesn't want to do that, like, Drakina. She does have like, a great yeah, line, Yeah, so though. she's just like, no, I want to, like, avoid that fate. And kind of starts, so she goes back to the human world and tries to start fitting in and goes to this route of trying to be a good person. And it's kind of a bit of a struggle because nobody really wants to believe her. Yeah, which I'll give it to a kid's show. It makes a lot of sense at times. Like, you've heard a group of people, they they probably don't want you back. Right. And like, so she has to go through all of this to actually prove kind of her worth and like, that what she's doing is out of a sincere place in her heart and not out of, like, you know, just going through the motions to, like, see, I'm a good person. David It's like, Star. no, she actually has to- Oh! Yeah. <laughs> we don't have time to unpack on that. <laughs> yeah, our third, we don't have time to unpack all of that. <laughs> but speaking of stars, but- I do love her relationship with Phidias. Oh, yes. my God. Yeah, like, so as we joke, she's the e-girl of the e-girl, oh, e-girl girlfriend and podcaster boyfriend dynamic of her and Phineas. Yeah, just, because she just falls in love with him and for who he is and everything and gets him a job at the Rockporium and really enjoys him in her, in her life. It's, it's kind of weird, but also really sweet, but mostly yeah. kind of weird. <laughs> I really was not expecting the hot girl and ugly boyfriend trope to show up in Power Rangers because it rarely does, but... Did here and it, it was all right. Yeah, it kinda was works. kind of works. It was kind of hilarious how like how it happened was she was like, oh, he can fight. That's hot. <laughs> yeah, and like I, I think also part of proving that she was a good person was that one, she was like she knew everything to get them inside to like rescue Udana, and she also like rescued the snow staff. Yeah. So and there's she pulled like, out a uh, hammer space randomly. Yeah, it's like, how, where? <laughs> so yeah, it was kind of, Lily's like, character arc, because I, yeah, especially, like, in the first couple of episodes, I did not like her, because I was just like, you, she's being a weird stalker to Nick, and it's kind of uncomfortable. Yeah. But then, like, you know, you kind of understand more of who she is, and then she, like, goes, puts in the work to, like, you know, prove that she's not, like, you know... You know, that she's not just, you know, being secretly evil the whole time. That she actually wants to, like, wants to and tries to be good. Yeah. So that was nice to see. And then, like, yeah. Lily. Lily has some, a very, has a very interesting character arc is what I'm trying to say. 
Yeah, I was about to say, it's like, she she has she has a good amount of growth uh, for kind of, like, a, an ally character. Yeah. Uh, for the series, maybe the, like, highest for a character, honestly. Yeah, yeah. and I have, like, I, I can't think of many other seasons that have, like, this many kind of, like, evil, quote, quote, characters that turn good. Yeah. And, yeah, I also mentioned, like, when we were watching this, because it kind of occurred to me late, of just, like, she has very similar vibes to Harmony on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh, yeah, you mentioned that. Oh, yeah, okay, I see that. Of, like, yeah, because she, where Harmony just starts off as kind of this, like, obnoxious, like, side character who's, like, kind of in, like, Cordelia's, like, inner circle, and then, like, later on she becomes, like, a vampire, kind of low-tier villain, and then, like, she like later comes an ally i think because she ends up working at wolfram and heart and angel um and granted it has been a long time since i've watched buffy and i don't know if or when i would go back and watch it but um yeah she gets she just gave me very similar vibes to harmony in that regard um and obviously we talked about necroli in terms of her connection to lily so kind of let's actually talk about necroli who is the queen of the vampires um, I have a picture for you all, uh, just to put in, uh, that, uh, Necroli in, uh, in Magic Ranger splits into two characters called Nye and Mare, who are these goth teen girls. Nightmare. This is, uh, this is beautiful. I've seen them before, but oh my god, they're beautiful. They're just, I love, I love their looks. Yeah, I'm like, I can kind of understand why they didn't bring that over to Mystic Force, but like... Damn, they're a vibe. They're yeah, wow. I'd I'd wear that if I was a young teenager. I'm you know? like pretty right. sure that the series ends with the Red Ranger like dating them too, like both of them. Okay. No, yeah. Okay. Um, like, are they sisters or are they just two? Like, they're the same. Like, they're uh, both vampire and necroli. They just can become separate or the same. <laughs> okay. <laughs> they do things together. All right, so it's like I guess it's not that weird. I mean, in terms of Power Rangers, it's not that weird. And they, um, <laughs> yeah. the one episode, if you watch any Magic Ranger, it's, this is like episode eleven because that is the the um magical darkness concert episode where they have a concert. <laughs> like, all right. No, that just um like felt necessary. Obviously, like what else are we? What else would we do in that situation? I really love that, like, in Maji Ranger, they're, like, goth, like, teen girls. That This kind of rocks, honestly. And then, like, in, in, uh, oh my god, I love it! Oh, man. And they get, like, a minigun later that they, like, shoot at the Rangers. Oh, nice. Nice. But yeah. but yeah, like, as you're saying, like, yeah, like, they, in, in Maji Ranger, there are these, like, cool teen goth girls, and then, like, in freaking Mystic Force, like, She's a mom of one. <laughs> mom of one. She ends up being the hot mom. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm not going to lie. Like, I saw it to the end. I'm like, oh, yeah, she is hot. Yeah. yeah. Unnecessarily like, show, honestly. Yeah. I mean, because obviously she's a vampire. If she, like, listen, if she was a vampire and then her human form wasn't hot, then what would we even be doing here? <laughs> be sad. Um,. So yeah, and like at one point she does, as we mentioned, she does turn V into a vampire, and it's as as it should be with vampires, weirdly homoerotic. I mean, yeah, yeah it, it's like again, not not to not to bring up Buffy again, but it's like the episode with like the alternate universe version of like Willow being like a 
very, like, sexy vampire who is also very, very gay. Yeah. It's like, that should have been your first hint, honey. Which just, uh, just I think, didn't that make Willow, like, ask more questions? It did, yeah. Because she's just like, yeah, my my vampire self was kind of gay. Hmm, I should think about that. There's a lot to unpack with Willow, though, having... We tried to finish, like, we were on the last season, then took a five-year jump, and then we tried to finish. And that show has a lot going on. It does, yeah. That's why I'm, like, hesitant to go back and rewatch it. Yeah, so, like, her thing is that she often tries to do everything for Optimus, but then gets hurt a lot of the time. Yeah. And she's kind of, like, the big second banana villain of the series. Yeah. Um, Yeah, it's just just often very sad, because she was, like... Especially since Lily was kind of watching this happen with her mom, and her mom just would not pay attention to her or anything. It's like, no, we gotta do things for this Optimus dude. And Lily's like, what, mom? Like, you know, he doesn't think much of you. Yeah, like, all Lily wants to do is, like, get a condo with her mom and, like, live a normal life. And Necrolyze like, no, we need to bring about the master. And Lily just being like, I don't know what any of those words mean. <laughs> If the best line of the show is Xander saying, Lily's mom is hot, and then, like, V being like, yeah, the second best um, has to be when Necroli says, this book can tell the future, and I'm on the first page. <laughs> like, <laughs> good. <laughs> Glad you have no oh self-awareness. Oh, my God, the Book of Prophecy bit was just so ridiculous. <laughs> if you ever hold a Book of Prophecy, see your Dave, you gotta put that down. It makes it yeah, worse. Yeah, it's like, mm. yeah, it's like, nope, 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 nope. <laughs> And then, like, at the end, like, as we mentioned, that she kind of ends up turning good uh, because of her daughter. And I think it's also because, like, she was inspired by another, like, villain named Itasis, who is one of the Ten Terrors. And we'll talk about Itasis in a bit. Of Like, she's inspired by her daughter, but also the fact that Itasis is, like, actually nice to her. Yeah. And so she's just like, you know what? Screw this. Screw this. I'm getting good. Yeah, so, like, she's the one who kind of brings, she's the one who brings, uh, Leonbo and Dagron back from the dead, and I guess because of that, because she's good now, she gets to be human. She gets to be, that, a thing, running theme in Power Rangers, where you, you can, you don't have, you, like, monsters, bad, humans, good. At least, like, at the end, like, they did kind of circumvent that, because, like, you do have a couple of the Ten Terrors who, like... Yeah. Go on and, like, prove themselves as good and get to be monsters. And Necrolyte, you know, did zap all of her powers out, but it's always just kind of that weird thing that goes on with Power Rangers, I guess. Yeah. I've, I've already gone into it, so I'm not gonna rehash that out. Yeah. No, that's fair. Um, And as we noted, like, yes, obviously, like, she's very hot when she became human, but the secret was, she was always hot. Yeah. She was always a hot vampire lady. Yeah. Yeah, Queen of the Vampires will always make you like, t- like twenty percent hard. Um, um, like no matter like how hot you are, though. True, 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 true. true. Um, all right, and then so kind of moving on to like our actual villains. Uh, so our first one is Imperius uh, slash Kalendor, who was one of Liambo's students along with Daggeron. He felt that like Daggeron was getting too much con- attention and became like the evil Imperius, and like. And- that 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 that's on you, bro. Yeah. 
Though, like, what his one defining characteristic besides turning evil um, is that he has a really bad mullet as Kalendor. And you're just like, this mullet! What the fuck? Oh, man. Just, ugh. I was confused and, by the like, thumbnails. Obviously, was being very oh. manipulative. And it's like, well, obviously, you can't trust a man with a mullet that bad. Yeah. Those thumbnails He's confused me. Oh, yeah. Um, I had, like, the thumbnails for, like, the later episodes, and I was like, oh, this is about when, like, the new ranger should, like, show up. And I was like, he's got a terrible mullet, apparently. That looks different from what I thought, like, the gold ranger, like, looked like here. And then, lo and behold. He was evil. It's like, no, he was replaced by, uh, no, he was replaced by somebody who was once a frog. (laughs) Yep. I'm a frog. (laughs) And, but yeah, so, and then he becomes Imperious, who is a uh, very queer-coded, I yeah. might add. I was like, huh, that's certainly a thing that's happening. Yeah, it was, it was, it was like, wow, this is, you know, he's got a fan, and... Yeah, what's the word for that? Kind of like a gallant robe. A, like, central, yeah. maybe? Is that it? Like, a, like, court drama person? Yeah, I could see that. Um, and then, like... But yeah, Imperius was just a rat bastard. <laughs> oh yeah, just just total. Like I think he was trying to undercut Optimus a lot. Like if I can remember correctly. Yeah. It, like yeah, he, yeah. Just a total. I'm gonna backstep everybody so I can get ultimate power. Yeah, this is. It definitely felt like kind of similar to the demonic escalations in Lightspeed Rescue. Yeah. Like that's a lot of what the demon drama this season felt like. I. I you put it together, like, why does this feel familiar? And you're like, Lightspeed Rescue. Yeah, because, like, you know, with Lightspeed Rescue, you had the constant, like, d- you had the demons constantly backstabbing each other, and then, like, one would, like, one of the leader would fall, and then, the, like, somebody else would fill that slot, and then yeah. eventually you had the ultimate power, like, filling in that slot. Um, Except, like, this wasn't, like, Queen Banshira, like, hating all of her children and their family. Like, this was right. kind of... <laughs> They they were just loosely affiliated monsters. Yeah, who all hated each other. And then obviously, like like as you'd expect, as somebody who turned on his best friend, he gets killed by Daggeron, who's kind of get had very strong ex boyfriend vibes. Yeah, it's not the strong. It's not like the way like Eric and Wes were. But rewatching it, I'm like, oh, that's definitely your ex boyfriend. Mm-hmm. And, like, Daggeron's clearly over Kalendor slash Imperius, even though what happened. But, like, Imperius is still kind of like, I'm gonna, like, torture you anyway. Like, it's kind of that energy of, like, yeah, they're over each other, but, like, Imperius is still kind of an asshole to him. Yeah, definitely. And then kind of going, moving on to our last major villain is gonna be Optimus the Master. And basically, this is the this is the big bad that everybody's trying to spend the entire season to bring back from the dead. And um, I'm going to let you touch this one, Sid, because I don't want to say it. <laughs> he is two kinks mashed together, vor and tentacles. Oh, I mean, yeah. <laughs> you knew all the I- vor jokes I was had to put up with when like we got to Optimus. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's vor. called Power Rangers Mystic Vord, right? No. Oh, it's not? No, Kip. Oh, no. my bad. <laughs> I mean, in, in his favor, we de- we will definitely say he's kind of in more episodes and more established than, the, like, the big bad in SPD. It's like that giant brain monster. Yeah, I still... 
I was just like, okay, he's here. Okay? Yeah, I just- Sure. Sure. And this was kind of, like, the big lead-up they were talking to, any, like, too. Like, this has been the big lead-up in the series, and the final fight happens, and a lot of stuff happens in the final fight, but you're just like, God, he just- Is he Galactus? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, he does have Planet Eater vibes, and I'm gonna let you read that final note you made about him. <laughs> he, w- he, w- he he was killed by boring too much. <sighs> yeah. Again. <laughs> you know, it's like- just sucked up all like he was like oh no i'm eating too much i'm full and exploded yeah that was it was a little it was interesting like i got the idea behind it is that he was so overwhelmed by like good and positive magic that like he couldn't handle it because he's so evil but like the way they when you put it, it that way i was just like uh mm. it was the way they handled it because he was just <laughs> sucking it all in and he was inflating too so i'm like oh okay yeah Alright, and then kind of moving on to our honorable mention characters. Uh, kind of our first would be Mordecon. Just showed up. He um, was the first kind of big bad, and it just we just forgot he was there, and then forgot he got killed off. Yeah, I was just like, what did he do? Like, because when we got to, like, going over this, I'm like, what, do, what did he do again? I'm very, I was like, I couldn't remember, like, anything he really did. And then when they got to the kind of 10 beast thing, there, there wasn't, there was still kind of a lot of squabbling and much, not much development, with the exception of, like, Atisis, uh, who was, like, you know, I thought she was hot, which is my thing. Yeah, because she's, she's the Sphinx lady with glasses. Yeah, she's like, definitely librarian vibes. Yeah, it's like, she she had very similar vibes to Bayonetta. <laughs> yeah, we oh, mentioned that, yeah, like, that's Bayonetta good. vibes. Uh, what'd you say, Kip? How do, yeah, um... I did not think of that, but that, that is perfect, actually. That does make a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah, well, and then, like... Oh, go ahead. Yeah, she was kind of loyal to the Master, but then, like, because she's, you know, she's a very intellectual and more interested in wisdom, she actually learned to be kind, and so she's like, no, fuck that dude. I'm it's like, yeah, and then, like, yeah, so she actually helps kind of, like, save the day in the end. And then, like, and- the other, like, of the ten beasts that were kind of, like notable to mention was like i think they called him mutumbo yes yes and he's like kind of this big like he looks like kind of one of like a monster that was made out of like a dandelion or something like that yeah and like he's this big tall guy but like he obviously kind of has a little bit of a good heart because like there's this one because when like the in the episode he shows up because and like he gets chosen to be the host of the master and like for about an episode you think he's dead um, yeah, because he kind of gets destroyed. It looks like he's destroyed by the master, but then they bring him back at the end of the series. But like he, um, like basically, like he, you know, they think he's evil, and V's trying to track him down. But then she sees him like save a a boy who was chasing a ball from getting run over by a car. Yeah, yeah. He, he seems to like he doesn't want to hurt anybody. Yeah, and, like, yeah, that's obviously, that happens, like, that's one of those plot lines that happens, like, I feel like once a season is, like, you have, you know, the good monster who's got accidentally caught up in all of this, these shenanigans. You have the, like, the evil rangers. Um, sometimes you'll have the body swap episode. But, like, yeah, it's, he was, I, I loved his design, and I also kind of loved, like, V just, like, V, the most stubborn of the rangers, just being like, oh no, he's actually good, and like using her stubbornness to protect him. Yeah. No, she she did. She was like, no, we're we're protecting him. Yeah. And then at the end, like, they get to be bros, and like she teaches them how to DJ. <laughs> it's really cute. 
they should have dyed his hair pink at the end too. Oh my yeah. god, that would, I, I'm sure it's one of those cases where like they got the yeah. the suits from Japan and they couldn't really do anything extra with them, but like that would have been adorable. It. Yeah, <laughs> or give him a give him a sweet hat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now he's a firefighter. Um, yeah. <laughs> and and then we had like the snow prince. He just didn't show up enough to really note about him. Yeah. Like he's the one who warns the mystic mother about the master coming through, and then he has to teach like. Dagger on that lesson to like be a little bit looser. Yeah, I will say it was funny though when like the Snow Prince was just like, "Finally, you get it." <laughs> I guess that's kind of it for all the characters we want to talk about. It's kind of let's move on to our odds and ends, and of course we have to mention the Battleizer this season, which is kind of a um. So the weird thing about this season is that there's not any specific like Zords, like they become their own Zords, which yeah. is interesting. It's cool as hell. Yeah, it's cool very job. cool. Like I, I, like I don't think we've ever seen that for Power Rangers before. So, but yeah, the Battleizer in this case is a, it's a, a kind of a, a combo morph with um the the Dragon Fireheart. Yeah, and it actually works really well for the series. It looks great. Oh looks, yeah, it's like one of the few times a Battleizer looks so good and actually looks like it was a part of the original design. Uh, instead of kind of the weird clunky messes, particularly when they started doing battleizers that would happen, that were like, why why did you kind of link this like fantasy design with uh like a fighter plane? A fighter jet? Yeah. And like it actually looked like you could sort of move around in it. Yes. Yeah. But I feel like that's one of the biggest things about battleizers is like the actors often just like can't it's kind of clunky and like the actors can't really move in them. Yeah. And they get abs. They've also done away with the abs. <laughs> okay. Yes. Glad we both went there. <laughs> yeah. And, like, it wasn't used to, like, take away from other people. Like, it was, for the most part, used, like, to set up, like, more group stuff. Like, it felt like it was, like, being used for, like, a, a like, super in, like, a fighting game or something. Versus, like, yeah. now I'm the main character. <laughs> Or like, well, we just need to get this battle over with for the children and get to the Zord fight, so battleizer time. Right. And they used it more than most, I feel like, because most like most battleizers like it used like what, like twice? This got used like five times. Typically at the end they get the battleizer and they are used a little bit more in the Disney seasons, but like this feels a little bit like more noticeable because the times Nick does use it, it does make like it makes sense. It's actually, you know, you're not just tuning out it in battle or something. Right. And uh, worth bringing up, though, is that um, when he puts on the battleizer, he just becomes Comrade Hibiki. He has, like, those two drumsticks. He's shooting fire. He's doing all this stuff. Oh, yeah, he is. And that he's was, just not a dad on yeah. a motorcycle. That, yeah. And, like, that was the series that aired with, like, Badgerager. So maybe they were like, well, yeah, cool drumsticks, fire. This is fun. This is more often. Kids love this. They also had, yeah, then they had the power ups this episode. There was like the two, uh, there there was the one that I think like other people were able to do, which was the one where like you got boxing gloves. So I think only like Chip and Xander got to use them. But then there was the uh, muscle suit. Yeah. Oh God, the freaking muscle suit that like, 
I forget what episode that came up in. Was it, was it like the tree episode or like... I think it might have been the tree episode. I don't remember. Yeah, Xander got two episodes But basically nearby. Xander gets this like... Xander learns a lesson and gets this specific spell code that like basically will give him a lot of like muscles. <laughs> it's like he looks like a He-Man doll. Yeah. That one guy that, that like designed the He-Man character would have loved him. Oh, yeah, because he's got so many muscles. That one guy who thought Dolph Lundgren wasn't muscular. (laughs) Oh, my God. Well, (laughs) Dolph Lundgren did not skip leg day like Xander did. Oh, that's true. (laughs) Yeah, Xander did skip leg. Uh, But there was actually a solid power-up. It looks like it was a part of Magi Ranger where, like, everyone got an armor power-up. Like, yeah, and then, like... You know, because you had the legendary form where everybody got the armor power up and then you had these like little weird power ups like with the boxing gloves. But I, yeah, I don't think anybody else got the weird muscle inflation one. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, this looks like someone's creepy fetish. It's like, yeah. And then like there was wasn't there one where they combined with a unicorn, like somebody combined with a unicorn. Yeah. I think that was the same as the uh, legendary powers. That okay. was like their sword that they could do with the legendary powers. Okay. I, I, I still love that because, like, I think it was, like, Daggeron showed up with the unicorn, or was it Leonardo oh, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, it was, like, a random fucking unicorn out of nowhere. Um, He's like, here, use Bulls, this unicorn. Yeah. I was like, where did you get a unicorn? No time to explain. And it never is. That was, like, the big, like, special, like, Zord from the Magic Ranger movie that came by for one episode in the show. Okay. <laughs> okay, that's great. They just didn't want to explain it. They're like, we're using the show footage. We're just going to have to not explain the unicorn. It's like, a new toy. Yeah, it was just it was just so funny how it just sort of like showed up and no, it's never explained. It's just, I found a unicorn. Use it. Use it. Go use it. And then the unicorn never seen it. Um, there was kind of a, another thing that was uh, interesting was this was also the first season in uh, like after like Dino Thunder and um uh spd they actually didn't have a team-up season and i think that had to do with the fact that same reason why wild force one of the reasons why wild force and dino and ninja storm didn't have a team-up was they would have had to fly in uh the actors from uh you know from uh the continental north america because a lot of them were you know american or canadian so they just had piggy show up yeah, and so the Piggy cameo is kind of weird because it kind of just comes out of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's when Genji is sitting around feeling sorry for himself in this dump, and then all of a sudden Piggy shows up. Just eating garbage. And just like, and garbage, and talking about how like he, like basically because he kind of like got smuggled onto Earth or something like that. It just sounds like he hitchhiked to Earth. Yeah, and he's, he makes the note about, like, oh, yeah, in, year, in, in just a few years, this place is going to be overrun with aliens, but I'm going to, like, enjoy, like, being the only one around for the time being. And then he disappears again. <laughs> I'm wondering if because of what happened with, like, later with Briarwood and, like, the, the, the magical forest coming in together, he just blended in with everybody. <laughs> yeah, he's just like, oh, oh, everybody here's, like, hanging out with monsters. I'm a monster, too. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. totally... That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. I'm just sticking to it. Like Rotten Yes. <laughs> um, one thing here is, like, I know that, like, um, some makeup from Power Rangers, like, around this time, like, got some, like, backlashes being, like, cheap or whatever. But a couple years later, like, 
Piggy just looks like a random Doctor Who character, like and like would be fine, you know? Yeah, right. Oh, I I can't I, I find it funny there's backlash on that because I'm looking at that and I'm like, wow, they actually invested money in this. Right. Like, do you um, guys not, not remember the equations? Yeah. <laughs> or, or like why they barely did aliens on the show at all, so they just did humanoid aliens. Right. My god. Um and then Kip, you wanted to kind of touch on this about like how the show is like how the show could have been perceived differently if it came out during the Tumblr era of like fandom. Yeah. Um I feel like um we hear a lot about like the golden age of like TV and like other like terms like that as far as like oh TV's good now, did you know? Which is like a weird thing to say. But like um I definitely like got the sense that like a lot of people weren't like willing to be fans of things when like these shows came out and like I was and like watching stuff like I'm writer and like um what have you but like um a lot of people kind of as much as like there's issues with like fandom style fandom I guess and like Tumblr style fandom it does mean that like people are like more willing to try things and like things and talk about liking things and like if this came out like five years later, I feel like it would have had like a much more interested following because people would be like, oh, like they're like used to things like Merlin and and like Doctor Who and like that kind of thing, you know? Right. Because I think it's interesting is that this okay, so this episode, like this series would have come out kind of at like not the height of Harry Potter mania, but it's like it came out like a year before the last book came out. And I think like uh, the movie that was out at the time would would have been around Prisoner of Azkaban, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And like it does kind of feel like they're trying to be like, oh, well, okay, we ha- clearly have a like season that is, you know, wizards and sorcery and all that. So like, you know, I feel like they were probably a little excited about that because they felt like they could cash in on the Harry Potter trend. They kind of don't. But, like, yeah, it's, like, I feel like this definitely would have, like, fared better in terms of, like, because it's not, it's not very Harry Potter in terms of, like, its content. Besides the fact it's about wizards. It's also not written by a turf. Well, true. Like, true, true, true. But, like, um, but, yeah, I feel like especially, like, if it came out, again, around Merlin or something like that, I feel like, you know... You, it might have gotten it had a little bit more of a chance yeah because well the thing with uh you know when it was out it was definitely when fandom had hubs like live journal and this mm-hmm. was particularly before the live this was like a year before the strike through happened right. uh, so there was there was fandom hubs you know there's that there's ranger board but one of one of the things tumblr did both good and bad um, as well as, you know, Twitter fandom, but mainly Tumblr, was allow, if, like, if you followed people for, like, other, re- like, you followed people for, you know, oh, I like Supernatural, let's give the most easy. If they were into other things, you would kind of peripherally see other things, and that's just kind of how a lot of, like, a lot of fandom has evolved yeah. at this point. Like, I know, like, I know things I don't particularly have much interest in, like hockey. Uh, right. Hockey's a big one I know of. Uh, or, you know, uh, there's, like, a, like, My Hero Academia, I've, like, watched a couple episodes, but I know I've, like, a decent amount about it, and, and it allows people to actually, like, oh, I might like this, I might expand into it. Whereas, like, right. before with Power Rangers, and particularly at that time period, 
it was super insular, and I, that's that's actually a feeling I get from older Finn, too, is how super insular they all kind of come off mm-hmm. without even meaning to be. Because, yeah, it's like, no shade to, you know, if you're listening to our podcast and you're an older Power Rangers fan who remembers, like, Live Journal, that no shade to you, but, like, there's a lot of people like that in the fandom that kind of makes me a little hesitant to interact with most people. Yeah. Because I'm coming at it at, you know... Obviously, I wasn't allowed to watch it as a kid, and, like, so, therefore, I kind of wrote it off for a really long time, and now that I'm, you know, in my 30s and going back and going through all of this for the podcast and, like, finding myself, like, genuinely invested in it, but, like, there's not really space for people like that. Yeah. (laughs) It's, like, it seems like everybody who, like, not I know it's not everybody in the fandom, but it just seems like so much of the fandom, it's all based on people who started watching this when they were young and like have invested themselves in it since then yeah Yeah. like i definitely feel weird because i'm not a fandom person but like i'm like oh i love power rangers but i'm not usually watching power rangers when i'm like adding things to my toku list like if like you show me like a picture of like Tommy giving Billy the dragon shield like I'd be like crying in the club but like I also like don't seek out Power Rangers but like it's also like yeah like people do get weird about like their fandom stuff and like it's definitely exaggerated I think like because we've gone from like fandom being a place that you visit that you're embarrassed to like a pin that you wear to try and like connect with people in shorthand you know yeah And due to also cultural shift as well, like, not just on the internet cultural shift of, like, we now, like, only have three sites to interact on, um, as opposed to, you know, I was being a part of fandom on the internet, like, yeah, I had LiveJournal as my main hub, but I still had, like, dozens of message boards I was on, I'm too. Um, and, um, it's, it's a different, like, feel, and also the fact that, like, it's, I hate to bring this up, but it definitely, like, it's, like, Geek stuff is cooler now, and they market towards it and everything. Thanks yeah. to like Marvel being a big cash cow in the movies. It's not a net positive. It's whatever you think of the Power Ranger movie that came out. Um, it did kind of increase the energy level or like activity level of the fandom enough where it became one of those. I think, and like that kind of fandom, which like is cool because of like the comics and stuff, and like I know like people like that but like it's a like modern fandom now which is a fully uh that's yeah it's It's a thing own baggage got its own kind of issues too so it's just kind of like interesting to me to kind of see like what kind of still is a part of old finn and how much you see it in power rangers it's kind of that accidental gatekeeping yeah it's like, I don't think people are meaning to gatekeep. It's just like, you kind of interact in a way that it's, it's like how sometimes Star Trek fans come off. Right. And they're not meaning to be that way. There, there's of course the act of gatekeeping. It's like, you're not meaning to be like that, but I often find like the people I connect to within Star Trek that I like are people who are either like really chill with new fans or like they're also new fans. Yeah. And like, Because it's, like, for me, like, I know especially, like, Star Trek, like, Star Trek fans have always been a little bit weird to me for a while. Not, I mean, I mean, major Star Trek fans, Mm -hmm. especially, like, you know, because they'll, you know, I don't, I I don't even know how to properly explain it. And, like, 
the thing that actually got me interested in Star Trek, I mean, besides Kurt, that was, like, showing a lot of those, like, weird episodes <laughs> with <laughs> yeah. Trek Yeah. But Lower Decks is what got me, like, interested in Star Trek, because, like, it's such a low entry point that actually is, like, willing to have fun. <laughs> Yeah. Like, I was hearing so many people yeah. complain about how terrible the series was, and I watched it, I'm like, no, this is fun. Yeah, I of, like this. A lot of, what I, like, what I'm finding with so many people is a lot of New Trek is aiming towards getting, uh, a lot of New Trek is aiming towards getting new fans in, with the exception of Picard, which I've heard can be, you have to know a bunch of backstory to TNG to kind of under, like, from what I heard from people, it really goes into TNG. Hmm. Then it can be daunting. Yeah. Uh, I haven't watched it yet, but it's like, but with like lower decks and then for discovery, like I've watched both and like, they're definitely more of like, they feel like they're in the universe. They, you know, they'll have nods to fans every now and then, but it's like in a good way. Like the, the 20, the 200 foot Spock in the recent lower decks episode. You're right. <laughs> you know, so it's like it's to, but it's also it's like in a way that's not inaccessible, but like kind of leaving little crumbs for you to kind of check out later. Right, and I feel like that's something that maybe Power Rangers has been struggling with. People need to learn, mm-hmm. like, not to compare their service records as like fans, you know? Right. Yeah. It's like no one. It's like let's you know. It, it's one of those. It's like why aren't you? In, it's more like it's more. I guess the the like. to wrap up it's like i feel like nerds don't know how to like actually bring people into what they like unless it's like until very recently we're like yeah it's just being enthusiastic and also while taking consideration the person's taste yeah yeah and like but yeah and i feel like that's something that power rangers struggles with a lot because like you deal with people that have such that nostalgia of when they were children that they don't really know how to like structure outside of that and i would love to see more of that from like both the show and the fandom but i don't know we'll see um the one thing i definitely wanted to touch on was anakin's theme like ripped off whole cloth (laughs) oh god yeah i was like i'm surprised we forgot to put that in our notes initially but yeah so there's this little bit of music that they play in the score a lot that it's like when you hear it, you're like, this sounds like Anakin Skywalker's theme from Star Wars. Or it doesn't. And it hit- keeps happening. <laughs> it, it, what, how it hit me was Anakin Skywalker's theme was like, I just remember the first time I watched Mystic Force, I'm like, why does this sound familiar? And then I rewatched the prequel trilogy and was like, what the <laughs> fuck? They just stole the song. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing we wanted to, to point out was like also adult, even the adults who have clearly have had sex, like Lee and Bo and Udana had a child. That means they boned. Uh, they they still can't kiss in Power Rangers. It's like as soon as like it's been a weird thing with Power Rangers after Tommy and Kimberly. They're like no kissing. Yeah, it's like at some point you think they would even just have like. A very, uh, like, when I say, like, adult, I don't mean, like, kiss. I mean, like, you know, the way your parents will kiss. Yeah, in front like, of you. They don't even get to do that. And it's, like, so uh, entirely, it's just, like, it'll just be, like, Udana looking at Lianbo wistfully and just being, like, 
you know, it just, oh, it just always feels like I'm saying goodbye. Which, yeah, it's very romantic, but, like, it's like, come on! He's your husband! You can kiss him! It's fine! You haven't seen him in, like, over 20 years! It's like, but no, it's like, nope, we just, nobody gets to kiss. It's like, I'm sure most kids watching this show have seen their parents kiss. Like, I'm sure that they won't be like, ew, kissing! Like, they will get that these are your fucking parents. Yeah, like, just just have the par- parents smooch. Um, yeah. Another thing I wanted to bring up, because it was something I always saw when I saw Chip, was, uh, like, long ago, kind of with the kind of origin of the Spotify meme, really, uh, was basically, like, tell a story through, like, through songs in Spotify. And it's been, right. it's been kicking up again. It's basically making a Spotify clip. And, uh, I don't think, uh, he was the originator of it, but definitely one of the people that kicked it off was, you know, if, if you remember, there was this guy, this comedian, New Zealand comedian who made, uh, you know, that, that list, but it was for like, it was like, here's my sexy playlist. And it like starts out, you know, like, oh, girl, you know, take off your clothes and then, oh God, owls. <laughs> And it just kind of continues as owls are, like, pecking at him and everything. And I remember when I first saw it, I'm like, that is Nick Sampson. That is the actor who played Chip from Mystic Force. And it's just been <laughs> back of my mind ever since. And I'm like, oh, God, we're going to confront this when we watch the show. It is the owl sex playlist. <laughs> it's the owls. We live in the post-owl sex playlist world. There is now a, a spot of weird Spotify playlist, like, bot account. And it's just like... Thanks, Chips actor. <laughs> Thanks, Nick. <laughs> Thanks, Nick. Who actually, when I retweeted the point this out, he favorited it. So I'm like, okay. <laughs> I, I I feel like he's slightly aware of that reaction. Like he has to be. So like, yeah. But also, it's just like you don't have that tweet muted. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that you got that notification. <laughs> um. Um. Kind of going back to the actual show for a second, uh, is that Kip pointed this out is that there's more out of suit fighting this season. It's great. There's a lot of it. Yeah. And especially, I think they get like, it had to be like, they made it look as cool as possible because, like, because it's kind of similar to like with the ninja power ups in season three of Mighty Morphin, mm-hmm. where like they obviously have their civilian clothes, but when they go to the forest and root core, they're wearing these like, um, kind of these like capes. Yeah. And vests, like, which obviously kind of color code them and look really cool. And then obviously they morph and they become like, and morph into the Power Rangers. So, but like a lot of the out of suit fighting is like, takes place in these, like with these capes on. So there's a lot of swooshing that goes around. Yeah. So it ends up looking really cool. Yeah. I think the capes definitely really help with that, like, because of the swooshing and everything. And also, it's been a thing since the production went to Disney that, like, um, I find that, um, particularly during the Kalish years, they're really into doing a lot of, like, action shots. They're still not right. into the explosion bit, which I think is next season, but it's definitely, like, there's a lot more smooth-flowing action than yeah. most seasons of Power Rangers before it. You can see the yeah, hand of um, Michi Sakamoto here. No, for sure. Yeah. Um, and then kind of the last bit we want to touch on is the theme song this season. It was the first time in a long time, like, I I think ever, that the theme song wasn't, like, a rock song. Yeah. 
it, it was only interesting, like, it was only felt out of place to me just because I felt like the season would have had more of, like, a Mystic Knights of Tirnanog theme. Yeah. And, but it has instead has this kind of, like, this really kind of light rap theme, which I was just like, it wasn't my absolute favorite, but it got stuck in my head very easily. Yeah, that's, that's the fun thing about it. It's definitely, that was the style of the time, uh, children's theme show, show song. Uh-huh. Uh, but it does get stuck in your head. I think there was yeah, like, also Ron Wasserman, like, attempt at one, uh, but they didn't go with that one. Yeah, it's like, it's hard to imagine, like, a Ron Wasserman, like, like-ish song for this particular season. Just because, like, Ron Wasserman has such a particular vibe, and, like, this is, like, a fantasy season, so it's just, like, I don't, I can't really see it, like, Magic, like that. mighty both inside me mystic force yeah yeah like it's, it's i can't i can't really imagine the butt rock with mystic force you know it, it was kind of it was kind of like butt rock meets a final fantasy set like battle team i'll have to send it to you sometime yeah we'll put it in the show notes as well look at this mystic force oh god my dad gave me don't, his like horse. don't don't invoke creed please don't <laughs> Or, like, no, that, that you're trying Nickelback. to invoke Nickelback. Yeah. Whatever! <laughs> oh, but anyway. <laughs> it's like, I also don't want to imagine, like, a Creed-esque cover band doing, like, a freaking um, theme for Mystic Force. Yeah. It's on YouTube, probably. Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> Along with the MVs who, like, kiss me through their phone or something like that. Right. Oh, just super 2006. <laughs> I did have something that, in my research and note-taking... I found a list of um, five Power Rangers who would make a great Naruto Hokage and five who wouldn't. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So I'm going to go through this list and I will read anything that needs explaining. But number 10 or would is Kimberly, which makes sense. Yeah, sure. Good I, Hokage. I never really watched Naruto, so I got to defer to Sid here. Would not Ziggy from RPM, which is uh, a Biagi right oh, now. Yeah, no, no. Ziggy would make a terrible, terrible... Wood is a uh, for TJ, and that is true. Yeah, that character is from Megaforce, Jake, but uh, would not. But then Wood for Tanya, which yeah, a, a very solid person. Yes, would not though. Number five, Madison for Mystic Force. Oh, poor Madison. And it basically just says it's a fierce fighter, but she's not confident enough to be a Hokage. I mean, that is. I was gonna say she was gonna have to have her own uh, Naruto. Yeah, because like, yeah, that is a thing for her confident. is that she's like she has to learn confidence over the course of the series. And uh, the last of that list is that Tommy Wood, which I don't know about that. Um, a character from Jungle Fury, RJ wouldn't. I don't know about that. I would swap those. RJ's very much like the third Hokage, except like younger and much more of a stoner. But yeah, RJ has third Hokage vibes. Whereas like Tommy, I'm sorry, Tommy's just. He's more likely to go Sasuke. I mean, I guess. You're just like, I have no idea what the heck you're talking about. (laughs) Even if you knew RJ as a character now, Ashley, you'd be like, I have no idea what the third Okage is. No, like, again, I didn't watch Naruto. It's like, I know Sasuke goes evil, but like, that's through like years of being around freaking weebs. (laughs) (laughs) 
The third Hokage is like the first one that shows up and dies. Okay. And then is replaced by Tsunade. Okay. And then it's a very... But yeah, the third Hokage is kind of like a mischievous old man who will... Who, when it comes time, is right. He's very wise. Uh, He's shown to be kind of a caring, like, father figure to the village and everything. But and, and can kick some butt as a ninja, but for the but he's also a little bit like mischievous and stuff. And I'm like, that's kind of I, I feel like it can be RJ at times. And it's I'm like, I would swap those. I'm sorry, Tommy would make Tommy like when he was being uh you know he he's just when he was trying to lead like a teen of teenagers and be their mentor. He he needed to call in an action lesbian of sorts. Yeah, no, Tommy did not seem like a great leader to me. Um, There's two more on this list, and I think we would all agree would. Jen from Time Force. Oh, yeah, Jen Jen definitely. And the bottom, of course, uh, is Rocky. (laughs) (laughs) Rocky would be a terrible leader in any position you put him in, so yes. Um, He's also a don't for the best and worst Power Rangers secret Santas, so. Yeah, Rocky would just buy you, like, some sort of cheap, dumb gift and, and be done with it. He'd buy you soap. Yeah, like, he wouldn't even do, like, like with the, the like, the secret Santa between Richmond on Ted Lasso, where they all just bought each other alcohol. He wouldn't even do that. <laughs> He'd buy you Skechers. <laughs> I like Skechers. Yeah. Wrapping up this uh, episode, and also our, our verdict of the episode is, uh, we overall liked it. Yeah. yeah, it was a fun season. Yeah, um, you know, if you told me about like a decade ago, I would like this season more with SPD. I would kind of accuse you of liking, uh, but uh, I I really think that Kalish and his team did uh, better with this season. Uh, it's more tight when it comes to the storytelling. They definitely found a good medium with like Nick in terms of trying to have like a ranger be a main part of the story, but not like not to the main focus, to the detriment of everything about the story. And there was a lot of good, like, elements of storytelling with it, and it was it was definitely a smooth, smoother ride, iron out a lot of the quirks of the season, uh, that, again, like, this was a completely new production team. So they, they definitely settled with Mystic Force, and it was a very good season because of that. Yeah, for the longest time, Sid wasn't certain how I'd react to this series, and honestly, I kind of loved it. Uh, learning, it really learned all the right lessons from Wild Force. It had the right formula of fantasy drama serialization and Power Rangers goofiness, uh, without veering into that extreme tonal whiplash that we mentioned with Wild Force. Um, you know, the designs of the monsters and the, you know, the ranger team and all that was great. The story was intriguing and it had Rita Repulsa being the most powerful good witch in all the land. It's honestly so far one of my favorites of the Disney years. It's so interesting to go back to a franchise that I love, but I really don't spend like much time with like nowadays and just see like a spot where I was really focused somewhere else. Like, um, and it's fun. Like, I just um, like to be able to see in all kinds of different adaptations too how they will take different things and like make them work. And like, I think, um, I'm glad it's not like 15 year old me being an asshole about it. And it's like me nearing 30 right now being like, oh, I love what they did with their constraints, how they made things work and how they made it their own. And like, I really just thought for a like a like show that I missed and like a like kids like TV series around this time. It like 
had very strong like character work and was very coherent too. Really liked it. All right, so that is going to be it for uh, Mystic Force. Uh, so as always, we want to thank Kate Nix uh, for providing our theme song. You can find her on Twitter and Instagram at the Goblin Mother. Uh, also, katenix.com, where you can find her band camp, her merch, and streaming. As of this podcast, there are new episodes of the Lullaby Lounge Variety Hour that are live on Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. on her Twitch, which is twitch.tv slash katenix, or uh, as well as I think you can access other streaming platforms through katenix.com as well. Uh, but yeah, that's Tuesday nights live at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time with replays at, on Thursdays at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, you can. We also want to thank Joe Hunter for our a podcast art. You can find him on Threadless at joehunter.threadless.com, uh, Instagram at Joe Bloody Hunter, uh, Twitter at Joe underscore Hunter, Patreon also Joe underscore Hunter, and you can also find his comic with uh, Land Pitts called Beast Heart Strikers, as well as his um, backup issue on Radiant Black number four. It'll be available through your local comic book shop or online at through Comixology or wherever you purchase comics through the internet. Uh, we also want to thank Kurt Yoder, as always, for editing our podcast. Uh, you can find him on um, Twitter at great S- at the Great SG, as well as his shop Twitter for uh, Great SG Pixels and Great SG Creations on Etsy. And Kip, we want to thank you again for being on the podcast for the second time now. Thanks for having me on. Uh, where can we find you? You could find uh, me on Twitter.com at James Forge, but you could find uh, my work at Toku at Kevin Ride With Me or Um It is a weekly podcast with uh, some casts that alternate. Um, we, around this time, are in our fall season, which is whole new stuff, whole new things. Uh, we still aren't sure if we're covering the next area Kevin Rider due to a blackface scandal, uh, so we have to figure out what's going on there. But uh, if you would like to see what aired with this show in japan um there is our whole book club on common writer hibiki that was a whole lot of fun as a like very small fun series there just like across like three months awesome and uh our wrestler of the podcast this month is everybody's favorite magical girl from tokyo joshi pro and aew is yuka sakazaki um you can find her on twitter at yuka sakazaki and i believe she's also on pro wrestling tees we'll have it on in the links obviously uh, and for me, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at, at @MissKittyF. As always, uh, I use Twitter a bit more than Instagram. Um, and then, uh, obviously, you can find on my Twitter my link tree that has links to anywhere you can buy my stuff. So Gumroad, itch.io, my shop Ashley-Leckwell.Square.Site, where you can purchase masks and zines for me, all that fun stuff. Alright, uh, you can find me uh, and the cats on my Instagram at witchcraftincats, as well as uh, my Twitter is Velociriker. It's my public Twitter. Uh, and then I also have a store, uh, Coda's Magical Crafts, which I sell fandom-inspired soap and candles. Uh, and I now have moved to Etsy, so it's Coda's Crafts on Etsy, which... Uh, there, uh, which you can find on our social media, uh, Twitter, Patreon, and Instagram under Coda's Crafts. All right. And for us, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at, at @rangersplain. We you, we do use our uh Twitter a little bit more, but I am trying to get back into using our Instagram semi-regularly. Uh you can also find us on Patreon at @rangersplain as well. For there for as low as $2 a month, you can support us in what we do, and this gives you access to my handwritten show notes that I write for every episode. 
also for exclusive blog posts that we need to get back to doing. And um, we also have our a Sticker of the Month Club, which is also a, a tier that is available. Keep hoping that people will join that soon because we have a lot of great ideas. And also, as always, you can find our show notes, which has um, citations for every weird reference that we have on this podcast, uh, as well as things that we talk about, any corrections that like we may have missed or something like that. That can be found on rangersplain.wordpress.com. Also has links to anywhere you can find us on the internet in terms of our social media or where you can listen to our podcast. Uh, and also, just as a reminder, if you are listening to us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere that has a rating or review system, please, if you, if you love our podcast and can't support us on Patreon, please give us a quick five-star review, and we greatly appreciate it. And, well, uh, that's it for Ranger Splain this month. Join us next month as we accelerate into Overdrive with Operation Overdrive. Stay safe, keep your mask on, and may the power protect you. Go. Just play.